What is up, YouTube? Welcome in to another edition of Bucky and BK, but with no Bucky this morning. Buck is out today. He is taking his dog to the vet to get his, well, to get his nuts chopped off, for lack mm. of a more medically correct phrase. In this morning, the great Trey Elling for an early edition of Trey and BK. We will be with you until 10 o'clock talking plenty of Texas sports. Of course, the new college football playoff format has been officially announced, so we can discuss what things will look like in the 2025 CFP. Texas baseball picks up a dominant win over Houston Christian at the dish last night. Big-time performance and the most complete performance of the early season for the Texas Longhorn baseball team. We've got the latest mock draft from Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Network to get into. We've got the latest bracketology from Joe Lenardi to get into. I'm going to do a uh, Would You Rather Steve Sarkeesian edition with Trey this morning, talking about Sark's new contract. No innuendo there, I promise. And uh, we've got some fun stories and articles from around the world to get into. We are jam-packed. But uh, good morning, Trey. Good to see you this early. How are you? I am doing all right, and I'm actually relieved this morning, BK, because yesterday I was noticing when reading the YouTube comments that some of the names had a bit of a greenish tint to them, and so I was wondering if my vision was leaving me or maybe I was suffering a mild stroke or had some form of ocular cancer, but it turns out there's some new feature to the YouTube comments where if you sign up, you get a, a nifty icon next to your name and it is a slightly different color from that solid black that everybody else is yeah so i haven't done a great job promoting this to our team and even promoting this on texas sports unfiltered in general because i want to make sure i know exactly what the youtube membership program entails before we start mentioning it a bunch and in hopes of that we don't have to cancel it because i screw something up right off the bat but that's kind of what it is. And it's annoying because on StreamYard, yeah, the names show up green and there's that little sort of circular symbol next to the names of all of our TSU members. Yeah, it looks like a sideways S that's surrounded by a circle. But on YouTube, and I'm making sure I check YouTube every morning to see this, on YouTube, that logo is actually the Texas Sports Unfiltered logo. So oh, okay. Everybody who tunes in on YouTube, which is everybody, like nobody's yeah. watching us on StreamYard. StreamYard is what we use to stream to you people. But everybody on YouTube gets to see the Texas Sports Unfiltered logo next to the names of all of our TSUs. Well, congratulations. You people just got a uh, lift of the curtain to hear what we're seeing, I guess is the best way to put it. Absolutely. I'm not stroking out. It is something special. So thank you. For you folks for uh, signing up for the uh, Texas Sports Unfiltered exclusivity on YouTube. And you don't have cancer, at least ocular cancer. Hopefully no cancers to that. Every day something hurts and I'm like, is this cancer? Is this it for me? At some point it's going to turn out to be true. So I'll be Nostradamus with my own cancer at some point in my life. And you're just putting in the call every single day. And then at some point you're going to be right. It almost sounds like you're hoping that you end up with cancer at some point. Look, if you type in your symptoms to Dr. Google, Dr. Google will eventually lead you to the cancer diagnosis. So even though my wife despises that I use Dr. Cancer instead of her medical expertise, because 
She is a doctorate of nursing after all. So in theory, she is a doctor, even though she's not a medical doctor. I tend to rely on the half-cocked opinions of WebMD and other websites like that to try and self-diagnose. Yeah, you've got cancer, AIDS, syphilis, uh, bronchitis, all of those things at the same time if you check WebMD. Well, the AIDS I'm certain of. I mean, I got a blood test a few years ago, and so it's only a matter of time before that takes me out too. Oh, my gosh. All right, Ruse Goofy, uh, Goofy Growing is asking, how do you sign up? There's a link in the YouTube description below that says become a TSU. You click that link, you can sign up right there. It's very easy. It's a small commitment. It helps support what we have going on at Texas Sports Unfiltered. It also gets you, uh, yeah, that little loyalty badge next to your name when you enter the YouTube live chat. It also gives you some other perks. We will follow you on social media. Most importantly, you will be entered into some exclusive giveaways that uh, our non-TSU members won't have access to. YouTube doesn't legally want me to announce that, but I will legally announce that. So we promise we will make it worth your while as a thank you to y'all for showing us your support. So uh, that's what is in it in it today. Excuse me, uh, James. Yes, the buck is off this morning. Uh, is Buck okay? He looks pale. No, that is not Bucky this morning. Uh, the buck will be back with us tomorrow. He is fine. He is uh, taking his dog to get neutered this morning so that is why the buck is not here so two editions of trey and bk today all right um i guess i'll tell this story right off the bat something pretty funny that happened to me at cabo bob's last night oh let's hear it cabo okay. bob's a great burrito place in town according to many i've never been there very good very very good and they were a proud partner of us during football season and we hope to uh, pick up that partnership again when we get to next football season. They gave us a ton of gift cards to give away last year. So I think we'll be able to make that happen again during the 2024 season. Maybe we can get something during baseball season as well. But anyways, I had a buddy in town from Dallas. And we went to the Cabo Bobs on Rio Grande, the West Campus location. They've got a few around. There's one on Anderson there's one down south on Ben White. I think there's maybe one more in the Austin area. But yeah, great burrito spot. Love them. Uh, anyways, so we go. We get our food. It's one of those counter service places. We get our food. We go sit down at a table. It's just the two of us. And my buddy uh, recognizes a girl who walks in. Like, they recognize each other. And she walks over to our table and says hi. And she is friends with my buddy's sister, who's a couple of years younger than us. They went to UT together. They know each other. So they start chopping it up. And then she introduces herself to me. You know, the three of us are talking for a little bit. And then she turns to my buddy and says, my buddy's married, by the way. She turns to my buddy and, and says, is he single? Like pointing at me. Yeah. And, and my buddy's like, yeah. And, and she's like, okay, I have a friend who's here. Don't look, don't look. I have a friend who's here. And she's really pretty. She's really cool. She's got a great job. She's looking for a man and she loves Jesus. She looks at me and she's like, she loves Jesus. Oh my gosh. And, and my buddy who I've known, he's one of my best friends since high school. I've known him forever. Uh, he obviously knows that I'm Jewish. Him and I just like look at each other and we, we both lose it. We both start cracking up laughing. And she's like, what? What's so funny? Like, do you love Jesus? And and I, I didn't know what to say. I was like speechless. I was like, how do I handle this situation here? Like so many times in the past, it would have been like, yes, of course, 
I love Jesus. I go to church every Sunday. I'm a huge fan. Went to Catholic school growing up. Like I am 100% bought in to JC and the movement. I don't think that's what it's called. That would have made me sound pretty stupid if I did say that. But uh, my buddy, my buddy and I start laughing. I'm like speechless. I don't even know what to say at this point. And I guess I'm too old to try to pull that stunt anymore. And my buddy's like, oh, he's Jewish. And, she, and the girl, like I could see like the happiness just kind of drop from her face. She's like, oh, that's okay. Like she gave like the, you know, whatever, that's okay. But it, it, went, it went from like, oh, I'm going to bring her over here for sure to say hello to like, yeah, they didn't come back to, to say hello. At least she didn't say ew when he said that you're Jewish. Yeah. yeah that would have been a been. worse response. That you could have said, bad. rather than saying, or rather than your buddy saying that you're Jewish, you could have said, hey, I like JC. He's a member of the tribe. Right. That's how Absolutely. you all identify with JC. He's not the savior necessarily, but he is uh, He is a member. Yeah, I don't think she would have been too fond of that answer. I mean, maybe it would have been better than the answer that I did give. But at the end of the day, that's probably not what she was looking for. Yeah. And it's probably not what I'm looking for. Definitely not what I'm looking for. Like the worst first date I've ever been on in my life. And look, I respect all religion. I'm passionate about mine, but I don't care if you believe in mine. You can believe in whatever religion you want. You respect the Satanists out there? Yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, you know, uh, they can do their own thing. That's fine. Um, but yeah, so I'm like, you know, I, I respect the bit, but I don't know. I don't even know where I was going with that. You, uh, um, you, you, you were on a terrible date one time. I oh yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, so like, yeah, the worst first date that I've ever been on is with the girl. She's like friends of friends. We're still kind of friends to this day. Like we run into each other, we talk. She's fine, but like five minutes into the first date, she just brings up Jesus. And like, just really passionate talk about it. And then there was not even a chance for me to get a word in. Like, I was going to tell her right off the bat that like, no, yeah, you know, that's not my thing, whatever. But she just goes and goes for like 15 minutes and I cut her off. I'm like, let me stop you right there. Uh, this, this is not going to work because, uh, yeah, I'm Jewish. And she's just like, oh. So I also had picked her up and taken her to this date too. It was at Lala's Little Nugget. Great oh, spot. Great North. spot. Yeah. Yeah. But it was Christmas just like, year round. Yeah, Christmas year round at Lala's. Um, and it was just like like literally 15 minutes in, it was like, oh, this is a this is a disaster. She didn't really know how to talk about anything else besides Jesus, too. So it's like I did not want to go through that again, which is why last night I was just like, Yeah, no, not Jewish. We're good on that deal. So I did have one of these moments. By the way, the Jesus thing, and this gets to the story that I'm about to tell, it can go either direction. The the Jesus thing up front is like, oh, this isn't going to go where I hope it goes. Even if we don't have a long-term connection, maybe we can still get some short-term action, right? So mm -hmm. Jesus thing can be a huge detriment in that. Or it can be a sign that she is virtue signaling and she's actually down to make some other things happen, which is what happened to me when I was living in Oregon, weird, weird time in Oregon. Oregon is just a weird place. I've told you people before, it's a bunch of gun-toting hippies out there. Well, I was 30, making decent money and single, but it's like every girl that you would run into that was in her mid-20s or above, because this area had been devastated by teenage pregnancy and the opioid crisis, Every girl that you would meet either already had a couple of kids 
somebody with serious substance abuse issues in their family that they were responsible for taking care of and some combination of the two, which is not exactly a peanut butter and jelly combination in life, BK. <laughs> yeah. So I, I didn't have a whole lot of success dating in, in Oregon as a result of that. Well, uh, the one girl that I did meet and sleep with in the year that I was there met at a bar, which cool, meeting at a bar, everybody's out drinking but we're talking and I asked her, subject of books came up. I don't know how. Sh- shocking with me, I know, with books <laughs> on pod that uh, the subject of books came up. But I asked her what her favorite book was. And she said, Joel Olstein's book. Oh. Joel Olstein is the pastor of the mega church in Houston, of course. And whenever she said that, I was like, oh, yeah, really? She's like, yeah, religion is so important to me. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm sleeping with her tonight. <laughs> and uh, that that ended up happening a few hours later. So mm-hmm. sometimes sometimes it can work against you, but sometimes it's a sign of uh, greater short term things to come. Yeah, that's hilarious. And I, I didn't think it was going to turn into that, considering we were at Cabo Bob's at different tables. This was going to be a situation where I would have to like take her out on a date, probably multiple dates, to to make that happen. Let me ask you this: you 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 went a full year. You slept with one girl in a year. Yeah. So what marriage, I guess that's what marriage is like, right? Mm, Not quite. I mean, hopefully you sleep with her multiple times a year, but it gets so our, our, what's the right way to put this? Our cycles, our sex cycles are at their height at times where it's not very convenient to do so with kids in the house. Hmm. So we we both really enjoy the afternoon delight bits. Uh, we enjoy the morning bits. At night, after long work days, it's just there's there's so much energy that's been spent in the day already, dude. We just want to sit on the couch and chill out. So that that's not always opportune for uh, things happening during the week. On weekends, more stuff tends to happen, but. It's a problem, kids, uh, for a lot of different reasons in terms of just being a free-flowing adult, but it uh, definitely gets in the way of that far too often. Mm-hmm. But no, it's not a once-a-year once bit for us, thankfully. I do know married couples that don't have sex anymore, that had a couple of kids years back, and at this point, if they were to have kids, well, it would be, getting back to Jesus, a miracle of Jesus that that were to happen because that would require uh, some sort of procreation that is not occurring in that bedroom. Yeah, I have two giant fears about marriage. Number one is that I can only hook up with the same person for the rest of my life. And number two is that at some point I might not even be able to hook up with that one person for the rest of my life. I feel I hear too many stories about that where, yeah, eventually the sex life and the marriage just completely dissipates and it's just... You're spending time with the same person every day, which, ooh, you better like that person. I, well, yes. I mean, that's, <laughs> look, you need to be physically attracted to them for sure, but you need to love that personality too. That is, uh, you're onto something there. Yeah. <laughs> Suggesting that you'd really better like the company of that person. And thankfully, uh, I got the whole shebang with Justine, still wildly attracted to her. She's an awesome person. She's hilarious. She's, way fucking better than me as a human being has been well established on this show over the years. And uh, yeah, so I I lucked out in that regard, but not everybody has that. And by the way, people get together and people change. Like we, we change drastically as humans every seven seven years or so. And if you're not changing together, then you can go in diametrically opposed directions. Like my parents, 
ended up, I, I have no fucking idea how they got together to begin with, but uh, several years into their relationship, they were very different people. Back to the Jesus thing. My mom was very religious. My dad was somebody who was all about chasing his vices. And so when they finally got divorced, when I was in junior high and my brothers were still in elementary school, he got pulled out of school early one day. And we were like, fucking sweet. My mom was like, we're going to take you to Brahms, get burgers and fries and shakes. We're like, hell yes. What's the special occasion here? Are we celebrating a half birthday or something? And then she drops them, getting separated and divorced from your dad news on us. My brothers are immediately crying into their milkshakes. And Fat Kid Trey, because seventh, eighth grade was the peak of Fat Kid Trey. I was fucking chuckling up a storm while sucking down my milkshake because I Fat. knew that was a long time coming. Mm. I was fat, Dundee. Thank you. Congratulations. Yeah, I love how that was like the worst day of your brother's lives. And you remember that like very fondly. It was like, uh, no, this was peak fat kid Trey. I was at my fattest. I was able to eat as much of whatever I wanted. Like, that's a glorious day for you when your parents split, or at least when you found out that your parents were about to split. Well, my room was on the other side of the house from everybody else's. So I would hear their arguments first thing in the morning. And I also had twin beds in my bedroom. So sometimes overnight, my dad would actually sneak into my bedroom to sleep for the rest of the night. And that motherfucker sawed logs when he was sleeping. So it was very disturbing to me too. So I was like, thank fucking God, I'm going to get a good night's sleep now. Not have to worry about yelling or snoring, interrupting that process. Oh, shit. Did I just say process? You motherfucker. You have infected my brain. Hey, you're saying it right. It's about time. It took you 40-something years to learn the English language, but uh, you finally did, and I'm glad I was able to help contribute to that learning. You're very welcome. Uh, shout out to M. Kellner. That's one of my parents, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Thank you for becoming one of our new YouTube members, a.k.a. a TSU. Appreciate all of you who have jumped on board with the TSU program in the first few days of its launch. Let's uh, go. Papa K or Shoshana, whichever one it is, thank you. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Because y'all didn't pay for enough of my stuff growing up. So thank you for paying for my stuff as a near 30-year-old now. Uh, moral of that first story, the kid still got it. Girl thought I was cute. Awesome. I'm in. Sweet. That's why I talked about it. I just wanted to spend 15 minutes flexing on, uh, on the fact that I still have some game. That so good. If you were to ever get married, and we all know, as the Brad Kellner's Parental Advice of the Week sponsorship tells us whenever we bring that bit up on the midday show that you do plan on dying alone. But if you were to ever not die alone, if you were to ever go down the marriage route, the woman or man, if that's the path that you choose to take, would also need to be Jewish. Is that a question or a statement? Question. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it's a requirement for me. Now, convert, hold on, we'd listen, but uh, no, I got to be a member of the tribe. Got to be one of the chosen people. There's not a lot of us out there. We gotta, we gotta stick together. The ones that we do have left. You so know? you meet this dude, he sweeps you off your feet, but he oh. is not Jewish. You would ask him to convert, and that would be that would be okay. Zero of that story is okay. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. Of course, that's the way you swing. That's fine. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Thank you, Jerry. Uh, but uh, no, yeah, none of that story would, would fly. Okay. No. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Well, you, I, I thought you knew me, but I guess not. 
guess not. You just changed with your knowledge of the English language in your 40s, so maybe you're expecting that I'm going to change when I hit 30 or something. But uh, That's coming up fast, too, my friend. And I didn't even realize when I got you a Christmas present back in December, tickets to go see Mark Norman, that it was falling on your fucking 30th birthday, too. That works out nicely. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it should be fun. Next Saturday, got about a week and a half left of uh, of my 20s. It's terrifying. It is terrifying. Are you worried right now? God, I loved 30. 30 was such a great age. I wouldn't say it's going to be weird. Like, I don't know. I think it's, it's, it's not, I guess, but everyone's going to ask how I'm feeling, and I don't know how to answer that question, but it's good. I'm always grateful when it's my birthday because I'm a year older, and a lot of people don't get that luxury of getting older, and I understand that a lot of people don't make it to 30, so it's a, it's a big deal making it to 30. Um... I don't know, though. It's like it's one of those moments where it's like you feel like you should have your shit together. It's like you take time to reflect and it's like, have I accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish? Um, do I have my life where I want it to be right now? And the good news for me, I mean, the answer to those questions is yes. Like I, I've literally accomplished everything that I've wanted to accomplish in my life by 30, which I'm very proud of. But I don't know. It's one of those years where it's like, oh, shoot, you take time to sit back and really think about if your life has gone the way that uh, you want it to. For me, the answer to that's yes. So it's going to be a lot easier for me than other people. But I know for some people, it's like, ah, shit. Now now I got to kick it in gear here. Are there any regrets at the end of your 20s? Uh, yeah, of course. But like nothing, nothing major where it like keeps me up at night. But I'm not going to sit here and be like, I haven't like regretted a single decision that I've ever made. Anybody who tells you that is a, a liar. Um, but like nothing that's nothing like job wise or school wise or major life decision wise, like the one that got away type of stuff to where I just think about it all the time. Uh, thankfully I don't, I don't have any of those, which is great. I always laugh when somebody is asked if you would do anything different. You say no, cause it helped form who I am. You don't have one thing that you would do differently. You're not thinking hard enough on life and the different possibilities for things. And look, I understand, yes, it helps form who you are, but you can still become who you are and maybe take a slightly different path based on a specific decision. Yeah, I just think they're, they're lying when they say something like that. Look, yeah. I'm, I'm sure they can. They think of one like right away. As soon as you ask somebody that question, there's something that pops up into their head inevitably. But they're like, nah, nah, I want to sound cool. I want to sound confident. Like, I'm, I'm going to say there's nothing that I regret. It's like, it's a, you're not living life right if, if there's not a single thing that you regret because that means you haven't had any tough decisions you've had to make. And living a good life comes with making tough decisions that have consequences, either positive or negative. And you've got to make them. And sometimes it turns out that uh, you don't make the decision that's the rightest for you that you thought was at the time. So... Anybody who tells you that is uh, lying to try to sound cool, and that's all right, you know. You're, well, same, same goes with the idea of epiphanies, too, by the way. Like, you have to take chances to experience epiphanies. Some people don't experience an epiphany in their life. I feel sad for those people. Some people experience epiphanies beginning in childhood. Like, I, I probably did have some of those in childhood, but my greatest epiphanies really started to occur when I exited the comfort zone of living here in the state of Texas and yep. moving around the country and like the biggest one for me is when I moved to Chicago. I don't think I've ever said this on the air before. I moved to Chicago after a year in Oregon for a job that ended up not working out. Like the, the job failed after two months, but I had fallen in love with the city 
and knew that I had options heading back to Texas, including getting back into radio and maybe continuing to try and get my degree at Texas. But when I was leaving Chicago with all the shit that I owned packed up in my Honda Pilot and a buddy was riding with me in shotgun, we left really early in the morning because we were trying to get all the way to Dallas and it's a pretty long drive. As we were exiting the greater Chicago land area, we had gotten, this is actually the last time I ate McDonald's too. Holy shit, I just remembered this. Got McDonald's breakfast, ate, and he passed out immediately after that because it's like fucking four or five in the morning. Well, as he's sleeping and I'm just seeing the last little bits of, of the Chicago suburbs in my rearview mirror, I just start bawling my eyes out because I didn't know for sure whether I was going to come back to Chicago or not or stay in Texas. I was going back for a uh, cousin's wedding and to stay with my family for a week or so. And I was crying my eyes out at the possibility that this might be the last time I live in Chicago. And I was like, shit, this is it. Like, this is this is the sign that I need right here as to what I need to do going forward. Because I was still completely uncertain with all my shit packed up in my car. And so by the time I got to Dallas, uh, met my mom and uh, one of my brothers and a friend for a late dinner. And I gave her a hug and I said, hey, I'm going to be going back to Chicago when this week is over with. And she just looked at me and she's like, okay, so... Uh, epiphanies are a powerful thing. And thank goodness, I feel like I made the right decision in that moment because I ultimately did get back into broadcasting, met my lovely wife and uh, really was transformed as an adult, like really grew into who I am now because of those six plus years that I got to spend in the Windy City. How about that? It's a great story, man. Yeah, those epiphanies are, are real things. And sometimes it's uh, it's when you leave where you realize that that's where you need to be. The whole you don't really know what you got till it's gone. I mean, I kind of had that much smaller version, uh, but in Houston, like I, yeah. I was very happy to leave Austin the first time. Not because I hated Austin or anything like that, but I've been here for a long time. I went to school here. I'd stayed here for almost ten years. Uh, most of my friends had like left. Some of them had come back, but just felt like it was time. And it was like my goal in radio was to always be a major market drive-time radio host. So when I got the gig in Houston at ESPN, I was like, oh, this is a no-brainer. I was so pumped for that job. And like, I, I loved it. I don't regret doing it at all. But every time I would come back to Austin to visit, it's like, nah, shit, like this is this is where I need to be. I would just have that epiphany. Every, just, every time every time you would come back, you would feel that. Interesting. Every time. It's like, nah, this is home. Like, this is, this is it. Like, this is where I, like, I need to find a way back here. And I wasn't just going to come back for nothing. Like, I, I wanted to make sure it was the right opportunity, of course, because I had, like, my dream job in Houston. Um, but, like, yeah, once the right opportunity came up, that's just, like, the epiphany hit me when I was in Houston that, like, this is not where I belong. Austin is where I belong. And ultimately led to coming back here and, obviously, the formation of TSU. Yeah, and that's a good example, too, of you not wanting to do something differently there because you needed to go to Houston, like it was important that you went to Houston to get to experience that, to get to be the host of an afternoon drive time show and not have to worry about producing at the same time. On top of the fact that you you needed to separate yourself from Austin for a little bit because we all had a very sour taste in our mouths with how the company that we all ultimately left was being run and how we were getting really fucked over in the process too. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh I was able to 
jump off board the Titanic before it uh, it started sinking. I feel kind of fortunate with that. You were one of the first rats off the ship. I was indeed. And by the way, I haven't even told my folks this. I won't, I won't put any names out there, but uh, the ESPN station I was at in Houston just laid off like four people last week. So I saw that. I've got a knack of uh, of getting out before things start to fall apart. Now, this one, if I leave TSU, then we're all screwed. Uh, this one, everybody will know that uh, if I jump out, the whole the whole business is probably shot. But I guess that's that's the no regrets part that I've got. I've been fortunate. Uh, I've left the, actually three. If you go back to the zone, because the zone started falling apart mm. not too long after I left to take the job at the Horn. It's like all three radio stations that I've had full-time jobs at over the course of my radio career have literally gone to shits within like two years after I departed. So I'm going to let you in on a little bit of a secret, young buck. You leave a radio station, it's going to fall apart after you leave. <laughs> Not necessarily yeah. just because of you. Yeah, no, I can't take too much credit for that. There's like, there's like hundreds of other people in this industry who've had that exact same thing happen to me. I mean, shit, even the ticket has had its issues in these last few years. I thought the ticket was, I thought if any station was immune to all of that, it would have been the ticket. But I also saw it at WGN Radio also. WGN Radio is this institution, one of the earliest stations in this country's history, a 100,000-watt blowtorch, but they went through some fucked up shit as well while I was there towards the end of my time, too. They ultimately lost that Cubs deal because... CBS radio overpaid for that deal. Now they got a, the Cubs winning that first World Series in forever too, but no radio station is immune. Broadcasting isn't immune to it. And that's, you know, that's just the ebbs and flows of business as well in a lot of senses. Radio has had a hard time evolving with the times, but it's not exclusive to broadcasting. I mean, Blockbuster Video is a great example. Montgomery Ward is a great example, like the most popular department store for decades, but they didn't evolve fast enough. They didn't adapt. And as we've talked about specifically with sports in this era of NIL and the transfer portal and everything else, adapt or die, Dabo Mm -hmm. Spinney, I'm looking at you. Uh, But uh, that happens in all walks of life, and radio is especially guilty of it, unfortunately for people still in radio. That's well said. Shout out to Ronnie, becoming our newest TSU. Thank you very much, Ronnie. Hell yeah. For uh, subscribing to our TSU membership program. Appreciate that. Is that a boat in his picture there? Sweet freaking fishing boat, Ronnie. It almost looks like a kayak. It is, oh, yeah. Ka- fishing kayak. It's got the uh, seat up top. That's uh, that's my expertise right there. Well, calling myself an expert is probably silly, but most of the fishing I do these days is via kayak, and it's a ton of fun. So shout out, Ronnie, for jumping on board. No refunds, no way. No refunds, by the way. Yeah, if the whole business shuts down, which it won't, thankfully, thanks to you people. Uh, yeah, no, I don't. You're not getting refunds because I'll be homeless. So that's not that's not how it's going to work. All right, we will dive into some sports, and you bringing up Dabo is a good segue. But uh, before we get into the Would You Rather Sark edition, because I want to ask you, Trey. You know, Sark got the new contract a couple of weeks ago. The details of the new contract came out over the holiday weekend. We spent a little time on the midday show talking about, you know, the deal, whether or not Sark has earned it and kind of where it fits him amongst the highest paid coaches in college football. But I looked up the list of the top 10 highest paid coaches in the sport last year. And I'm going to basically ask you, like, would you rather have Steve Sarkeesian or that coach? So just kind of power ranking 
the coaches in college football and just how confident you are in Steve Sarkeesian as the right guy here in Austin. But before we do that, let's give uh, some love to some of our great sponsors. And uh, if you're up for it, Trey, I will, I will give you the floor first this morning. All right. I am going to tell you folks a little bit about Big Hat Spirits. BigHatSpirits.com. They are revolutionizing the cocktail in a can. That's right. Cocktails in a can have been around for a little bit, but nobody does it better than Big Hat. They have a variety of great flavors. And you know, for me as somebody who pays close attention to what I'm putting in my body, which sounds weird every time I say it, regardless though, Big Hat is where it's at in that regard as well. They have no syrups, no gluten, non-GMO, BPA-free, 100% natural, real spirits, no added sugars in all of their drinks. And boy, do they have a bunch of different delicious flavors, everything from ranch water to jalapeno ranch water. If you want an extra kick in that ranch water, the margarita, that prickly pear paloma, the blackberry smoke, the Texas mule. And yes, for you non-alcohol fans, that margarita mocktail that you hear Bucky talking about at this time of day. Big Hat cocktails in a can can be found all over Central Texas. Rather than try and tell you every spot, because there are a lot, I'm just going to implore you to go to their website, BigHatSpirits.com. Scroll down just a little bit. You can actually read their inception story. And you can also find that map of Central Texas with the Big Hat icons all over that map. Click on the icon closest to you and see the exact store. It could be anything from Danny's Liquor to CRS Liquor, Northwest Hills Liquor, you know, the 34 Wine and Spirits, a bunch of specs across town, and that will continue to grow. BigHatSpirits.com, those big hat cocktails in a can. Absolutely. The big hat stuff is great. Also, I'm drinking an Olipop this morning. I've got the Olipop hat on this morning. We are repping the greatness of Olipop here on a Wednesday Olipop is a game changer. You talk about not having any regrets. Well, you won't have any regrets when you drink Olipop because it's actually good for you. It's great tasting soda that is good for you. Years ago, I swore off soda because oh, it was horrible. Uh, the ingredients, disastrous. I wanted to eat like shit. Uh, I had to sacrifice something. So I stopped drinking soda so I could still indulge in all of my fast food that I love so much. Olipop, thankfully, has gotten me back into soda because it tastes like the soda that I grew up sipping, but it's got tons of great health benefits as well. Nine grams of fiber in every can, hardly any calories, very little sugar, and every can of Olipop helps support my digestive health. But of course, it's not just mine. When you drink Olipop, it's going to support your digestive health as well. It's a healthy drink that actually tastes good. I don't know how they found a way to make it happen, but they found a way to make it happen. You can get you some Olipop wherever you buy your groceries, H-E-B, Target, Walmart, Costco, Whole Foods, wherever you shop for groceries all across the state of Texas. And this stuff has gone nationwide as well. You can find the greatness of Olipop. Can I give one more quick shout out? Not to an official sponsor necessarily, although they did help us get to New Orleans. We are grateful for that. Uh, good stock by Nolan Ryan. So my family and I went to Kalahari last week and I didn't even realize this, but our guy Perry texted you after hearing me talking about it on the midday show and said, Hey, please tell Trey to stop by our store when they're leaving Kalahari. So on Friday, I did that. My family, for whatever reason, was still wanting to spend way too much time at Kalahari on Friday, despite the fact that it became DGen Central. It's like a bunch of Post Malone's walking around that water park. So I decided to cut away to get to Goodstock. And oh my goodness, what I have been missing this entire time. I figured that it was high quality products, 
but actually going there. And by the way, it's right next to Dell Diamonds. I was blown away. I actually spent some time talking to a fellow Trey. That's right. This Trey, though, much more well-versed in meat sciences. That's right. He studied at Texas Tech, got his master's from Ohio State, and uh, he is the guy really in charge over there. was explaining to me all the different areas that they're getting uh, these great meat products from. A lot of it coming from the state of Texas, but their chicken, for instance, comes from a farm in Pennsylvania where they treat those chickens right. So I ended up buying uh, strip steaks. I ended up buying some chicken and actually got some uh, some bacon-wrapped quail jalapeno poppers, too. And Ooh. I've cooked all of it at this point. I'm eating the chicken all week for lunch. Uh, I had the quail jalapeno poppers as part of dinner a couple nights ago. And we cooked the steaks on Sunday night. Cook a lot of steak in this household. My kids don't realize how lucky they are, but we eat a lot of New York strips in this house. When I got the strips, I don't know if I've ever seen a more beautiful fatty cut going over the top of the strip with that fat cap to boot. My family agreed. I'm, I, I promise you, I'm not just saying this. My family is like, these are the best steaks that you ever bought us. They are cheaper than I'm normally getting them from Central Market. Higher quality steaks to go along with some of that other delicious meat. I cannot suggest enough that you try Good Stock by Nolan Ryan. It's very convenient for anybody around Round Rock or maybe you're heading out to Elgin on 79. It's just past the Dell Diamond. So just east of Dell Diamond, it's that very next light. So you'll see the Hat Creek Burger Company on one side. You take a left at that light if you're heading east and uh, you can turn into the shop there. It's right next to Summer Moon. There's a Tony C's in that same uh, that same complex as well. It'll be well worth your time. Maybe you're going to be driving home uh, from work today, heading back towards Elgin or East Round Rock, let's say. Stop by Goodstock. I promise you, you will not regret it. Goodstock by Nolan Ryan. You can also go to their website, by the way. That would be goodstocktx.com. Yeah, it's fantastic. I can attest to everything Trey just said. Great people, fantastic products, amazing food. And uh, it's a cool shop, too. Like, they got a bunch of cool things to look at. Uh, They not only sell meats, they sell great seasonings, too. They sell cookbooks. They sell, like, knives and cutting boards. And Yeah. Yeah. uh, yeah. The the Ryan family has actually put together a a really nice display of some of their favorite wines, too. So if you don't want to make that extra trip to the grocery store, the liquor store to get wine to go with that delicious steak... They got you covered right there as well. And by the way, DJ, I know you have an honorary degree in meat science. Trey's degree is legit. He actually has two of them. Yeah, DJ's just looking at other dudes' meat when he goes around the city. I don't know if that counts as an honorary degree, but if you want to claim it, DJ, be our guest. Be our guest. Yep, love the folks at Goodstock. I think they're also working on getting Oldstad beer inside that butcher shop, which, uh, hello, talk about getting two birds stoned at once. That's how you do it right there. Oh, they serve, they sell uh, marrow bones in there too. I've never thought about trying to roast uh, marrow bones, but I'm considering it now because I'm going to be going back there. You do a re-up on my meat stock, which uh, is going to require a trip there later this week, I think. That's not a bad thing. It's like 30 plus minutes for me, but I still make the drive. And I'm, I'll probably go this week because I'm trying to bring out the Traeger this weekend and smoke something. On the back patio, the apartment complex has no idea that I have that Traeger. We'll see if we uh, get to use it without getting evicted. Stay tuned. Good luck with that. What meats are you smoking, DJ? What meats are you smoking, sir? I'm not sure I want to know the answer to that question. It could get us in trouble. Although nothing really gets us in trouble here, so we're good. Not it unfiltered. 
No, not at Unfiltered. All right, would you rather? Steve Sarkeesian edition. So once again, we found out that uh, Sark is getting paid. He's going to be one of the highest paid coaches in college football. His salary was damn near doubled, right? He was supposed to make about $5.8 million in 2024 instead he's going to make 10.3 million in 2024 no surprise that the big money extension is coming now after the great year that texas had and all of the optimism that uh, texas fans have in the future of this football program so i looked at a list this is uh, from january of this year so this is pretty updated it obviously doesn't have the details of sark's contract but these are uh, the high the 10 highest paid coaches in college football and I'm going to ask you, Trey, this is specific to Texas. Like, would you rather have Steve Sarkeesian or this coach as the head coach at the University of Texas? And I just basically I'm doing this exercise to kind of get your thoughts on how good you feel about Sark in comparison to the other highest compensated coaches in the sport. I'm going to tell some of you Longhorn fans right now that are watching or listening, this is not going to be a, a clean sweep for Steve Sarkeesian. There's guys I have in mind that I would rather have in charge here. So just accept that. Yeah. Well, I think uh, the two highest paid coaches in college football are Dabo Sweeney. We'll start with Dabo Sweeney. Who would you rather have as the head coach of the Texas Longhorns moving forward, Dabo Sweeney or Steve Sarkeesian? I'd rather have Dabo Sweeney uh, share a bed with my mom because I know nothing's going to happen, but I would rather have Steve Sarkeesian seven days out of the week. You worried that if Steve Sarkeesian shared a bed with your mom that something would happen? More worried than if Dabo is sharing a bed with her. Uh, yeah, you're also less worried that Sark would ever want to do something like that. No offense yeah, to your well, here's the, here's the thing that I have to think about, though. It's it's a couple of Armenians. So much like uh, there's a magnetism between uh, members of the tribe, there may be a, a magnetism between uh, members of the uh, Armenian tribe as well, you know? Is that what y'all do? Is that like y'all's hand signal? Well, it, it is more like this, but yeah, that's how, mm. that's how we do it. I, I can do it with you the next time if you'd like. We call it scissoring. We call it the scissor greeting. Oh, my God, dude. I'm going to give a free plug, which I don't do very often, but I was at Style Switch. You love that place. Uh, <laughs> last night, I'm not even fucking kidding. So good. And um, there, we, I, I was driving back home, and there's a place on Lamar called Scissor Sisters, and it was a haircut shop, and I thought that was the funniest name for a, a salon of all time. I want a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. logo please that's uh, so good all right so you're going with steve sarkeesian for for coach at texas yep okay agreed uh, michael sark does have game l'oreal's yeah. real deal yeah, yeah 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 she definitely is uh okay dabo was the highest paid coach kirby smart the second highest paid coach in college football who would you rather have kirby or sark uh, people should not be upset by this kirby smart seven yeah, out of seven i'd be upset if we had Steve Sarkeesian over Kirby Smart. Yeah. Love Sark. Confident about him potentially bringing a national title to Austin. But, yeah, Kirby's already won two. And I, I feel like Georgia's got a chance to be what the Kansas City Chiefs are. It's a little easier to be a dynasty. It's actually a lot easier to be a dynasty in college football than it is in the NFL. Just look at the history of time. Uh, and I know it's tougher now with NIL and the portal, but still think it's easier to stack championships in college football. Like the 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 Chiefs comparison I'm going with is like what Nick Saban just did at Alabama. That was like the Patriots with Bill Belichick. It's like, oh, we're never going to see anything close to this again. Mm. 
Uh, and then like literally right after the Patriots, we're seeing the Chiefs like they still have some work to do. Obviously, they're halfway to New England's number of six. Like Kansas City's kind of on that path. And it's like, oh, shit, we didn't think we'd see anything close to this. And here we are immediately after seeing something close to this. If Georgia plays its cards right now that all these coaches are leaving college football, and there's just kind of a vacuum in the sport that they've got a chance to go on. A, and it's early. They've only won two and Saban won six at Bama. But. They've got a chance to have that type of run where it's like, oh, we didn't think we were going to see this for a while, but here we are seeing it basically right after we just saw it. Yeah, the expanded college football playoff is going to make it a little bit more difficult, but ultimately I do agree with your sentiment. Yeah, so I'm with you on uh, the Kirby Smart one. What about Ryan Day? Ryan Day is uh, the only other known coach to be making $10 million or more next season. Would you rather have Ryan Day or Steve Sarkeesian? It shouldn't be that difficult. So we're going days of the week in terms of uh, how many days of the week I would want one over the other. I, I At this point, I'd probably take Ryan Day four out of seven days and Sark yeah. on the other three. Look, I know Ryan Day has not proven himself as, as a very good coach in big games. But he has a track record of developing talent and getting good talent in the NFL and oftentimes his first-round picks may ultimately work against him in terms of those big games because he does have the talent and it feels like there's a coaching discrepancy there. But he's had more good years than Steve Sarkeesian has at this point. So That is true. I, I am gonna, I'm going to give the slight edge to Ryan Day right now. The resume for Ryan Day is definitely better than the resume for Steve Sarkeesian. But, God, Ryan Day was born on third base, wasn't he? I mean, getting to take over for Urban Meyer yeah. at Ohio State. Like, I, I get it. Sark's, Sark's coaching career didn't start at Texas. So, you've got to look at Washington, which he actually did a very good job because Washington kind of sucked yeah. when he took over. And, you know, they didn't really get over the hump. But the fact that they were consistently making bowl games was impressive based on where they were before him. Yeah, and, and speaking of regrets, like Steve Sarkeesian has openly talked about the fact that he made a bad move in going from Washington to USC because he felt like that Washington roster was on the verge of actually accomplishing something more. Yeah, and they did not too uh, long after he left. Um, but yeah, USC obviously did not go well for Sark, not breaking any news to anybody there. So you've got to, when you talk about Steve Sarkeesian, you got to throw all of that stuff into consideration. But yeah, to me, like just Sark in a vacuum at Texas versus Ryan Day at Ohio State. Obviously, Day's had more success. The winning percentage is ridiculous, but he walked into a significantly better situation than Steve Sarkeesian did. And I just like, I will take to the grave that Ohio State was the best team in college football last year in 2022, uh, the year they lost at the buzzer. Uh, right at New Year's, right there, idiot kicker missed a field goal that would have put them into the national championship game. And I know Georgia had won the title the year before. I know Georgia beat TCU by 700 points the week after that game. But, like, I think with a better coach, that's a game Ohio State wins. Now, Ohio State was better than Georgia that year. Like, just look at the rosters. They were better than Georgia, and they, they couldn't find a way to get it done. So that's Ryan Day in the big games. I get it. Sark has not won that big of a game yet. Uh, he won the Big 12 title game, but he hasn't won a bowl game. And the one college football playoff game Sark was in, he was unable to win. But, uh, yeah, I, I I would take Sark over Ryan Day. I just I, – I have no faith in Ryan Day uh, actually getting Ohio State over the hump. And I feel like they would have at least one national title 
in Ryan Day's tenure over the last, what, five years, whatever it's been with him in Columbus, if they had somebody better than Ryan Day. Look, and we saw a slight reversal of this this year with Steve Sarkeesian, but there have been valid questions asked about him in, in terms of the decisions that he's making on the sidelines and how he manages his games and how he manages things at the ends of halves as well. So I hope that is a trend that has truly reversed itself, but that's also something to keep an eye on going forward too. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the toughest one out of everybody on this list. Looking at my Phil Steele to see. So, yeah, Ryan Day's been there six years in Columbus. Hmm. Uh, this will be how a many, seven. How many college football playoff trips does he have in that time? They made it They made it to the national title game in the COVID year when they lost to Sark in Alabama. Oh, yeah. Uh, they made it two years ago, even though they lost that game to Michigan. I don't know, three or four, I want to say. Let's see if uh, I, I stupidly closed the Phil Steele. He's right one and three in the college football playoffs. So that... Okay. It means that he's made three. Yes. Yeah, because he won one of them, obviously. It'd be yeah. Clemson that one year in the COVID year when they got to the national title game before losing to Saban and Sark in Alabama. So, yeah, I mean, once again, like you said, the resume for Ryan Day is better. I just, I, I have more confidence in Steve Sarkeesian than I do Ryan Day. I'm going to flip this to four for Sark and three for Ryan Day in terms of days of the week because. Ryan Day showed a strange emotional immaturity last year where he's like going after fucking Lou Holtz. It's like, dude, chill out. Like, I don't like that's that's sort of the the meatheadedness that that really grew uh, out that really wore out Tom Herman's welcome here in Austin. It's just like really just meatheaded, unnecessary shit like that. So that's Speaking of things to keep an eye on, that's something to keep an eye on with Ryan Day going forward. Like, is the pressure getting to him that much that he's starting to come unraveled? Yeah, and I think Lou Holtz just said Ohio State teams are a little bit soft when they go up against great teams in those big games, and he was right. Yeah. He was absolutely right when he said that. Like, that's Ohio State fans, like, admit that. Like, their team hasn't been physical enough to win at the highest level, which is why they don't have a national championship in that guy's tenure. And then, yeah, Ryan Day, I can't remember who they beat, Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. In that game oh, that, that should have lost, by the way. Yeah, a game that they should have lost against the Notre Dame team that was good. Like, not great. This is not anywhere close to the best Notre Dame team. Kevin will tell you that. Like, not anywhere close to the best Notre Dame team no. of all time. Ended up losing, like, three games this past year. Uh, yeah, that was that was a weird bit. So, he's got to be Michigan this year. Like, uh, there are Ohio State fans who wanted him fired because he lost to Michigan last year. Uh, with everything that Michigan has lost, the, the new coach and uh, their whole roster from the Natty team is gone. If they can't beat the Wolverines this year, then Ryan Day is getting the axe in Columbus. He may, and nothing nothing says soft like a guy who's 115 years old criticizing you for being soft and you coming back at that dude with harsh words. That is soft as shit. Nice of you to round down on Lou Holtz's age there. It's a very kind of you. I couldn't remember how uh, how old his crip was. <laughs> oh, man. All right, the next coach. Would you rather Steve Sarkeesian edition comparing Sark to the other highest-paid coaches in college football? Lincoln Riley. Steve Sarkeesian or Lincoln Riley as the head coach of UT going forward? I, I got to go Sark with this one, and we'll say we'll we'll go five and two right now. Uh, yeah. six and one, six and one. Cause Lincoln Riley, uh, things started to get weird for him at Oklahoma and it hasn't gotten a whole lot better 
at USC. He had arguably the best player in the country in these last couple of years. And what does he have to show for it? Nothing. No conference title, no college football playoff appearance. And last year was a disaster for USC. Like you would ask me this before last season, it would have been a no brainer. Even if Sark went like 12 and one in year two, if you're just like, who would you rather have Sark or Lincoln Riley? I would have gone with Lincoln Riley. Cause I'm like a huge Lincoln Riley fan. And I love that he left Oklahoma. And I think things started falling apart at OU. And I know OU, OU fans will disagree with me here, but I think Lincoln Riley like kind of had a foot out the door. I think he was ready to leave because he didn't want to make the move to the SEC. And once that was announced a few years ago, I think Lincoln Riley kind of started looking for an exit strategy. And he basically quit on that team in his last year in Norman. But like with everything that he had done before that, I, I thought Lincoln Riley was like, I mean, it was like saving smart Lincoln. That's where I was right there. But now, yeah, it's like, it's hard to feel good. The fact that Lincoln Riley stuck with Alex Grinch as long as he did, the fact that his defenses still are a huge problem, and the fact that it just it feels like his lust and shine of that offense is starting to wear off, it, uh, it makes this one interesting. It makes this easier to pick Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah. I literally just said all of that, and I still think I would pick Lincoln Riley. Okay. Not sure. It's gonna be, this is going to be a big year for him because he gets that one reset with his defensive coordinator. If he can't get it right in the next couple of years, that's going to be it for him in SoCal. Yeah, and he, I don't know how thrilled he was to find out that USC was going to the Big Ten. Once again, I mean, I think it's pretty well documented that Lincoln Riley wanted nothing to do with the SEC because he felt like the Big 12 was easier. Uh, is that well documented? Because it, it felt like to me it was more a matter of him not being long for Norman, Oklahoma and his lifestyle being better suited for SoCal. Yeah, it's it's well off the record documented. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, where would you rather live, Los Angeles or Norman, Oklahoma? I I think that's an easy one, but, God, it's – when do you see a coach leave a blue blood program like that? Like Oklahoma. Oklahoma's a top-five college football program of all time. I I don't know if they've ever had – I mean, Barry Switzer left to take an NFL job with the Cowboys, but that's obviously different. Like, USC's kind of a lateral move. You can't really take a better college job. Maybe Alabama, but he... Bob, he, Bob Stoops left OU for the Dallas Renegades. Yeah, no, that's a that's professional football. That's a better... That's a step up in class. And he won a championship. Stoops could only win one in, like, his second year in Norman. There he goes. I think, actually, in his second year with the Renegades, he wins... A championship. So sorry, Renegades fans. Get ready for a bunch of regular season success. You're going to beat the Houston Roughnecks a bunch of times, and then you're going to lose all the big games that you ever play in. Watch out for that Statue of Liberty play. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, from the Birmingham Stallion. I don't know if they exist. Uh, for Boise. Boys, yeah. boys, I don't know what their mascot is. Yes, everyone's favorite UFL team, the Boise Fuck Boys. Yeah. I wonder what that logo would look like. Um, probably just like riffraff or something. What about Mike Norvell, Florida State's head coach? Who, he got a big extension this offseason, and it seems like he's in the $10 million a year range, but who would you rather have, Steve Sarkeesian or Mike Norvell? This one for me is easy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Sark. It's probably 5-2 Sark, but Norvell's a good coach. We should not sleep on Norvell. Let's remember that he had a... An undefeated team this last year. They would have made it into the college football playoff if Jordan Travis had stayed healthy. And 
They've got, what, the third most guys at the NFL scouting combine this year? Now, not all of that is Norvell, of course, because he only came on the job a couple of years ago. But uh, Mike Norvell is a really good coach. I still want Sark at this point, though, because I think Sark is, has proven the ability to not only build a roster, but also maintain a roster season to season. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Like, the pendulum has swung too much for Mike Norvell. Like, it, it, he, the, the polarizing opinions about him have been too polarizing. Like, his first couple of years in Tallahassee did not go great. People thought he was a horrible coach, and I'm like, he, he's really not this bad of a coach. Like, give him time. He'll figure something out, uh, and he'll get back on track. He's, he's going to survive at least a few more seasons down there. But then after last year, they got screwed out of the CFP. We spent a lot of time talking about that. Thankfully, Jordan Travis got hurt because that might have been the thing that got Texas in to the CFP. We never know exactly how that would have looked uh, if you know Florida State did get in with the four-team playoff that we had last year. But now everyone is like, I feel like too high on Mike Norvell and like expecting him to kind of do that again and expecting Florida State, even in a down ACC, to be like perennial like CFP 11 and 1, 12 and 0 type of team every year. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think Norvell's that good of a coach. I think he's somewhere in between. Well, they'll have a couple other good years with him, but like, I don't, I don't think they're ever going to have a year like they just had. I'll eat my words if I'm wrong, but like, I feel way better about Sark with Texas than, uh, than Norvell at FSU. Uh, what about Brian Kelly? This is an interesting one. S seven of seven, Sark. Really? Yeah, and I know Brian Kelly's had more success than Sark has, and there, there's a possibility that now that he is working with looser rules in terms of guys being able to qualify for the school that he's at, that he can just stack LSU's roster. I do not like him at all as a big game coach. And I know Sark has had some of those similar questions, but yeah, based on this last season alone, give me Steve Sarkeesian. Man, I think the majority of Texas fans would agree with you, but I'm, I'm still going to go with Brian Kelly. And, and by the way, okay, all right, I want to hear your logic in just a second. Part of this with Steve Sarkeesian is not just Steve Sarkeesian himself, but the fact that he's got a defensive coordinator that is one of the best in the country who doesn't look like he's going anywhere. Unlike a lot of these guys who want to try their hand at the head coaching ranks, it seems like Pete Kwiatkowski is perfectly content being the D.C., being the top guy at that level of the profession and not having to pursue or not having to chase head coaching gig so when you have that scenario where the head coach takes care of one side of the ball and his coordinator who's not going anywhere does a great job of taking care of the other side of the ball it makes everything so much easier because there's less turnover on that coaching staff 100 percent, yeah and lsu just had to flip its entire defensive coaching staff um they brought in mizzou's defensive coordinator but at some point that guy could want to take a head coaching job where it kind of looks like pk is content just staying here as the defensive coordinator, because I'm sure he's gotten looks and interviews to be a head coach somewhere, not only here at Texas, but also when he was at Washington fielding some of the best defenses in college football, seemingly on an annual basis. Yep. And he's, uh, I guess, always turned him down. So that's good news there. Yeah, I mean, this this is tough. Like, I, I think I'm bending my own rules here. Um, I just, I, I feel like LSU is more likely to win a national title under Brian Kelly than Steve Sarkeesian is at Texas. More than wow. Texas is with Steve Sarkeesian. It's almost like rite of passage. I don't know. Like the last, the last like three, the last three, the last, yeah, the last three LSU coaches have all won national titles. And Nick Saban did it. Um, Les Miles did it. And Ed Ogeron did it. And, you know, Ed Ogeron, I don't think he's that great of a coach. 
Les Miles obviously had his flaws. I never thought he was like the best coach in college football, but he found a way to win a national title. So it's, I don't know what it is about LSU. It's just, it, it, it feels like at some point, whoever's coaching them is going to find a way to get over that hump. And even though, yeah, Brian Kelly in his career has not been a great big game coach, I, I feel like he is going to find one national championship while he's there in Baton Rouge. God, Ed Orgeron's time at LSU needs either a 30 for 30 treatment or just a straight Hollywood treatment. You can have Grover from the Muppets play Brian Kelly, but man, that is, you want to talk about some crazy fucking stories about that guy and just how he conducted himself and how lucky he got, I guess, to your point in winning that national champion. I mean, it was a perfect storm of, of talent and having really good coordinators around him too. And I mean, look, he's affable. He is a, a very likable guy, especially in Cajun circles. The only group in this country that can understand what the fuck that guy is saying. Mm. But the rapidity with which things fell apart is legendary. I remember you talking about this heading into that national championship season. And even though you were wrong about the season, you weren't wrong about the sentiment that you thought that Ed Orgeron would be fired before the end of that year. Or maybe it was the year before or something. He got he got a little bit lucky, but it did happen like you predicted, just a little bit further down the timeline with, what, within two years of him winning a national championship, him getting fired Mm -hmm. and losing that level of control of that program, it was crazy, man. Yeah, bizarre. All the the off-the-field stuff, too, that happened with Ed O. It was a wild, you know, 36 months in Baton Rouge, but they uh, they won a national title, so I think uh, their fans would take that trade in a heartbeat. Great call, Michael. Danny McBride plays Ed O in the movie. That would be hilarious. Is Danny McBride big enough? Uh, I I feel like we would need some sort of a reverse Christian Bale and the Machinist uh, weight gain, where mm. he puts on. Uh, although Edo's in okay shape, I think Danny Bride would would need to stay thick. Sorry, mm. uh, but would also need to get into a little bit better shape. He's got to go like Mac and Always Sunny in Philadelphia and just gain fifty pounds of mass for one season of filming and then drop it right after. Edo was just, he's just a stout dude. He's in better shape than I think a lot of people realize. But yeah, I mean, you, he would need, you would need to gain some good weight, I guess, is the best way to put it. Yeah. LSU fans also did not understand a word that guy was saying. They were just pretending. There's no way anybody could ever actually understand Edo and whatever he was talking about at those press conferences. No it's chance. Like mush mouth incarnate. Yeah. He's just like, what, 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 who? What did you just yeah. say? Are you even saying words? Or are you just fucking with us right now? I remember like one of the one of the most viral tweets that I ever had was Ed O at, at some press conference when he was at LSU. It was like a 10 second clip of just something he was saying at a presser. And I'm like, can anyone translate what this is? Because he said it and everyone in the room started cracking up. But I think they started cracking up because he started cracking up and they just assumed it was funny. And I had all these people. Like some of them were just random college football fans from all over the country, but a lot of Cajuns, a lot of LSU fans who were all replying and they were saying different stuff. Like nobody knew what he was saying. Nobody knew what he was saying ever, but he was winning games for a while. So it was cool with it. And they were cool with it. And then uh, once he started losing games, it was, oh, he's, he's scandalous. We've got to fire him with cause so we don't have to pay his buyout. That's an LSU staple. They did that with Les Miles and they did it with uh, Ed O. So if Brian Kelly starts losing games, they're going to find some sort of dirt on him so they don't have to pay his buyout. Shit, just play that video of him trying to dance with recruits and trying to talk more Cajun than he actually is. Yeah, he was getting too close to uh, high school-aged boys, so we we get to let him go with cause. 
Mm. All right, next one on this list. Kalen DeBoer, new head coach at Alabama. Would you rather have him or Steve Sarkeesian leading Texas? Seven of seven, Kalen DeBoer. That's got to be your answer, right? Yeah. Like I, I don't put too much stock into the Alamo Bowl, but you know it is two straight bowl games that uh, he has beaten Steve Sarkeesian, and obviously the one that did matter where everybody cared and everybody was playing uh, an underdog Washington team that had less talent than Texas beat Texas. So, And you also look at just what he's done throughout his coaching career, having won everywhere. You don't have the questions that you have with Steve Sarkeesian, who had one great year, and we think it's going to translate into more great years as that contract extension would tell us but yeah kellen DeBoer is is the better more respected coach right now yeah i really hoped alabama was going to struggle to find a really good head coach to replace saban so we didn't have to worry about them being you know on top of the college football world for a while but i got a hunch it won't be too long before bama's right there at the top again yeah, this next year is going to be an interesting one for them because they did lose a fair number of guys. Now they brought some other guys in, of course, but it is a bit of a reload year for them on top of Kellen DeBoer coming in and teaching an entirely new system versus what Nick Saban had in place for more than a decade. For sure. And these last three, these are pretty easy, but we'll mention them anyways. These are the other guys in the top 10 highest paid coach category in the sport. Matt Rule, Nebraska. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Look, <laughs> Matt Rule was a disaster at the NFL level, but there are guys who just aren't good fits for a certain level that are great fits for others. I'm probably taking Steve Sarkeesian right now, but it's a, it may be a four to three. I'm not going to be surprised to see Matt Rule turn things around in Lincoln starting this year because yeah. what he did at his two other college stops was year two was a, an exponential growth, uh, expon exponential leap, excuse me, from year one. It happened at Temple. It also happened at Baylor. Don't be surprised to see it happen in Lincoln this coming season. That is apparently the hardest job in college football is finding a way to make Nebraska relevant again. And if Matt Rule can find a way to do that, then yeah, he's going to be regarded as one of the best coaches in the country. But you're right. He did great work at Temple. He did even better work at Baylor. And uh, if he can replicate that type of success at Nebraska, then my opinion could change. But I'll go with, uh, I'll go with Sark. For right now for this spot lane kiffin joey freshwater Would you rather have him or steve so i think about this one is requiring me to think more about fits for this school and i think sark is a better fit a fit than lane kiffin i think lane kiffin while it's amusing from the outside those antics would get really fucking old especially if he's not winning big games here at Texas. So ultimately I'm going Sark probably five to two. Yeah. I'm, I'm going Sark seven out of seven for antics, for coaching, for building a program for everything. Uh, I like Sark more than Lane Kiffin, but the bits that'd be good for Joey Freshwater. It'd be fun uh, hearing behind the scenes stories about the co-eds he was taking home here in Austin, but kind of thankful we don't have to deal with that. You know, it would be ample such yeah. stories yeah and last but not least oh my god no question last but not least mario cristobal ew yeah seven of seven for sark i, I mean he was all right at oregon miami's been a disaster it's gonna remain a disaster i mean you, we talk about this with the uh the nebraska job i know miami has had 
more recent successes than Nebraska has. I'm going to be shocked if Miami ever gets that shit completely turned around. Wow. Yeah, I mean, Mario Cristobal, top 10 paid coach. He's a top 10 recruiter, right? He was bringing in great classes every year at Oregon. Now he's bringing in amazing classes every year at Miami. But talk about in-game coaching. Feels like he's a bottom 10 coach in college football. Everybody remembers the kneel down fiasco or the lack of kneel down fiasco in that Georgia Tech game last year. That's actually happened to him a couple of times. Yeah. I mean, it's just basic, basic shit that he can't get right. And it's like, dude, you're making this much money and you don't know how to do this. So, yeah, he is he is uh, nowhere close to my top coach in college football. That's for sure. He reminds you of an offensive line coach as a head coach. Yeah. Honestly, it's amazing that he's been a head coach for as long as he has, and he still hasn't figured out some really simple concepts and principles that go into being a head coach, like stuff that me at home watching on a couch with zero coaching experience can figure out. The fact that he doesn't have it as a guy who played at the level he played at and a guy who's coached as long as he has at the levels he's coached at, it is uh, it is mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. And if he can't do it, the fact that he hasn't hired anybody who can tell him to do it is also absolutely insane. I assume Miami has uh, hired some sort of like in-game coach. You know, game management coach is what they usually call that, right? Where it's an analyst, NFL teams have it too, or it's like the guy who just tells the coach what they need to do in certain high-pressure situations in the middle of the game because the coach's mind is racing in a million different directions, just making sure you get the clock management, game management stuff right. They better hire somebody because Cristobal has shown time and time again that he just has no idea what to do in those spots. I'm not sure what managing the gaze has to do with anything, but yes, maybe Mario Cristobal, because he's in South Florida, needs to get that part of it correct. Managing the gaze. So the gay management of things. Hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, it is important to make sure that they are managed as well. But uh, yeah, I don't know if that's going on with the Miami football program these days. It's happening in South Beach. Not that there's anything wrong with that, as we already discussed earlier in today's show. At the beginning of today's show, if you're just now turning in, uh, tuning in, we did discuss the possibility of BK switching teams in an effort to ultimately get hitched with somebody. Yep, and it was uh, shot down pretty quickly. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, that was discussed, so you missed out. You never know what 30 is going to bring. never know. You never know. I feel like I do know that, but... You never know. I'm not 30 yet, so I can't speak to it. All right, so there you go. There's your would you rather. I thought that'd be a fun little exercise. And Texas fans, we want to hear from you. Where does Sark rank amongst your top coaches in college football right now? What do you think of the new contract extension for Coach Sark at UT? The code of text line, 512-222-9328. Or, of course, uh, you can hit us up on the YouTube live comment line as well. Please like this video if you're watching on YouTube and you haven't done so yet. Please share if you haven't done so yet, so we can continue to spread the word about Texas sports unfiltered. All right, before we uh, shift gears and get into some of the other topics that we have for today, we've got the latest mock draft from Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Network showing some Longhorns some love. Uh, first, let's give a shout-out to one of our favorites. We'll actually let you hear from one of our favorites, Tom McKay of Audio Visual Consultations. This is Tom McKay, owner of Audio Visual Consultations, and we'd like to take a moment to thank all of our clients for making the last 25 years both fun and fruitful. For those of you who have not experienced our services yet, we'd like to invite you to give us a try for all of your home electronics needs. 
We take care of everything from surround sound home theaters and distributed audio to computer networks, home surveillance systems, to a new television in the living room or bedroom. And we come to you. There's no need to leave your home to find great pricing and incomparable service. No traffic, inexperienced sales geeks, or pushy showroom tactics. Just give us a call and we'll visit you at your home or business to take a look at what you really need. Just relax, hug your kids, and smile. We make your electronics and life simpler to manage. So give us a call and discover what over 7,000 families and businesses already have. Audiovisual consultations is the easiest, most complete way to enjoy today's electronics. Call us at 512-255-8678. That's 512-255-8678 or online at avconsultations.com. Yes, indeed. Love Tom McKay. Love audiovisual consultations, and you will love them too if you make that call to 512-255-8678. Also love 7-Eleven. Our guy Ashish, our girl Wendy. They own and operate a few different 7-Eleven locations here in Austin. Of course, there's 7-Elevens all over the great state of Texas, the best convenience store in the world. They carry Olipop at uh, some of the 7-Elevens as well. But of course, if you're on your way to work this morning, you need that energy drink, you need that cup of coffee, they've got you covered. They've got the donuts. They'll have the pizza. They'll have the rollers. They'll have the wings. They'll have the nachos, all the hot food, the sandwiches as well that you can get if you're looking for a quick bite to eat. Of course, the prepackaged snacks and the big gulps and the slurpee. I don't even need to explain this. You guys have all been to 7-Eleven. You know what they have. But I will encourage you to download that 7-Eleven app and cash in on the 7 Rewards program. That's going to get you great deals on all of their great items and some free stuff to boot as well. Love our friends at 7-Eleven. Love having them on board with us at Texas Sports Unfiltered. And Trey, how about uh, a word from you about the great chair that you're sitting in right oh, now? Oh, yeah. Relax the back, baby. I've been a customer for Relax the Back going on, I don't know, 15 plus years. Back into my 20s when I first started experiencing back issues, went to Relax the Back just to find some basic massage tools to help provide some relief. All these years later, yes, I am upgrading in the Relax the Back department to including furniture in my household now. Technically, I got this chair from the Mullet Open a few years ago. My brother won it. I paid him a couple hundred bucks. That's $200 that I've spent on a piece of furniture. It is far and away the most comfortable chair in my house. You can't see this, but there is lumbar support that I can raise and lower to get to different parts of my back. It uh, actually flexes back pretty easily. I've got adjustable armrests as well. And I am so thankful because I spend a lot of time in this chair for Texas Sports Unfiltered that I am comfortable when I do so. And I implore you to check Relax the Back out for yourself. If you have an aching or chronically pained body, they can help you out. Go to RelaxTheBack.com to see all the different types of products that they offer and also to find the store nearest you for Relax the Back. Yes, indeed. And uh, shout out to all of our great sponsors here at TSU. Good point here from CB. Without Cristobal leaving Oregon, Texas doesn't end up with Kelvin Banks and Cam Williams. Uh, so I guess we should be grateful to uh, Mario Cristobal for taking that job at Miami a couple of years ago. Now, there's no doubt some truth to that, but didn't the Pancake Factory help out with that as well? Yeah, I think it was a combination of both. Um, now, I'm just going to be a Texas fan and say, no, we don't do NIL. Our players come to Texas because they love the University of Texas. Then we're fucked if we're not getting <laughs> NIL. We're, we're uh, going to become Clemson pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we only believe in Jesus. That's our name, image, and likeness here in Austin. God, I should have said that at Cabo Bob's last night. That would have worked <laughs> incredibly well. 
All right, we've got a few more things to get into this morning. Definitely want to get into your rules of dining. What is this article? The updated rules of dining. We'll get to that later, but I just want to correctly tease it. Do you have the headline in front of you? Oh, boy. Okay. Why do I have my My freaking family is now mocking me for how many tabs I have open at all times. Hmm. I can just show you my screen so you can see just how ridiculous this is. Let me Let me show you my screen real quick. Okay. Perfect. By the way, no Bucky this morning for those of you just tuning in. The Buck is okay. Uh, he is taking his dog to the vet today. His dog is getting neutered. So all good this morning. The Buck will be back with us tomorrow as we get crazy inception with uh, how many of us were on that screen right there. Uh, but yeah, for those of you who are asking about the Buck, um, he's okay. He's perfectly fine. He will be back tomorrow and of course he called me trey at like 705 before i even left bed this morning and he starts singing to me some song that he heard on bob fm it's like dude this is my day off from you too all right don't don't be calling me right now i don't need this but yeah that's not surprising because buck calls calls at the most inopportune times do you see how many tabs are open on this browser yeah is there more than that too is there like a little right arrow that uh, you have to click to view more tabs or is that the whole list no but that's only because i have the Streamyard tab as well i have this tab where i'm trying to figure out some things on the video side that's six more tabs right there yeah i have this one which is five more tabs i have this one which is three more tabs. I have multiple browser windows, all of which have at least three plus tabs. So yes, I am a fucking disaster right now. Oh, there it is. The headline, because I finally found the one window with a single tab, is how to eat now. 16 rules of modern dining from dress codes to dogs. So that will be coming up shortly. All right. Well, hopefully you can find the Daniel Jeremiah mock draft because I think you said that you had it if I need to pull it up. I've got, I've, so I've got a couple here. I've got the Daniel Jeremiah mock, and I also have a Field Yates mock draft too, which uh, interestingly both have very similar Longhorn flares. So let me get back to that window now. Here we are. Here's NFL.com. All right, I, D- Jeremiah and Field Yates. Is there one of these two that you want to go over first? I think I think I maybe have already seen the Field Yates one. I can't remember if Bucky and I or you and I have talked about it, but I know I have not looked at the Daniel Jeremiah one. So let's let's start with that one if you uh, have it in front of you. Sure. This came out yesterday. Field Yates is the one that I saw late last week, so I'm glad you guys talked about that one already. So Field Yates has his first-round mock draft. or uh, Daniel Jeremiah has his latest first-round mock draft, and there are a couple of Longhorns in the mock draft. You want to start Longhorns? You want to start at the very top? with that the Bears and others choose to do? Let's go with the Longhorns first. Starting with the Texas Longhorns, and it is a familiar name. This is the first Longhorn selected, one that I feel like you and I are in, uh, in unison on with regards to who gets selected first from the Longhorns roster. And that would be the Seattle Seahawks in the middle of the first round, pick 16, selecting Byron Murphy, a talented defensive tackle here from Texas. And uh, look, Seattle has a defensive-minded coach in place right now. They need to retool that defense. And what better way to do that than uh, getting stronger up the middle, up front with a guy like Byron Murphy, who uh, does seem like an every-down player at this next level. 
Yeah, I love Byron Murphy's game. And, you know, the beauty of draft season on Twitter is that you will see all these draft analysts like post videos of these top flight prospects. And I've seen a couple of Byron Murphy videos in the last week or two, where it's people who clearly don't watch as much Texas football as we do because they've got to watch all of these teams and all of these players around college football. But it's just people that raving about the talent that this kid possesses. And he's got just about everything you want. He's 6'1", 308, not the biggest interior defensive lineman of all time, but man, he uses that size very well. He's got power. He's got uh, disruption. He's got a ton of speed and athleticism for a guy who is as big as he is, even though he's a little undersized, once again, for the stereotypical guy at his position. uh, He's still a big dude, and he still moves incredibly well for someone over 300 pounds. So, yeah, he is a disruptive force. And the thing that makes... Byron Murphy, the most attractive to NFL teams is his ability to rush the passer from the interior of the defensive line. Like he played a lot of nose and he played a lot of one tech during his time at Texas. And that's generally a hard position, probably the hardest position on the field to get pressure from in a pass rush. And Byron Murphy was able to do that consistently last year, really for the last couple of years at Texas. So any quarterback will tell you that pressure right up the middle in their face is the pressure they hate the most. And Byron Murphy is able to provide that pressure. So that's that's the type of game-changing player. Obviously, turnovers are game-changing plays. You uh, get consistent pass rush from the interior of your defensive line. That creates turnovers. That changes games. And in the NFL, where the margin of error is so slim and there's just one play here or there that can impact the outcome of a game, Byron Murphy being able to make those types of plays, that's, uh, that's why so many NFL teams and so many draft experts are falling more in love with this guy seemingly by the day. Yeah, I thought it would happen after the scouting combine, but it's not even taking the scouting combine. People realize how special he is just based on the game film from this year. So we may see that draft stock push him into the top 10 before it's all said and done. And just looking at Field Yates' mock draft, speaking of Byron Murphy moving up the charts, the earliest that I had seen Byron Murphy up to this point was the Seahawks at 16, and I've seen that in multiple mock drafts now. Field Yates has him going 13 to the Raiders. So... Uh, the word is out on this dude, and it's uh, only bound, that noise is only bound to get loud, louder with regards to Byron Murphy the second. Now, the second Longhorn. Can I stop you real quick? Yes. I've seen a mock that has Byron Murphy going as high as 11 to Minnesota. Oh, wow. Okay. So maybe maybe we need to be on top 10 watch for Byron Murphy, at yeah. least in a mock. And you're right. Like, you talk about the combine. I'm with you. I think Murphy's going to crush it up there, too. Uh, and at pro days and all the interviews, I think he's going to just dominate the pre-draft process. But fact that, yeah, he's borderline top 10 right now before all of that stuff has really even gotten going. Uh, there's a chance that I guess he could creep into the top 10, which would be really freaking cool. Yeah, love to see it. And the second Longhorn, according to Daniel Jeremiah, that will go in the first rounds. The other most consistent name that I think at this point that I've seen to go along with his, uh, his receiving core mate, Xavier Worthy. But A.D. Mitchell is going 26 to the Bucks, According to Daniel Jeremiah, he writes, the Bucks go with the power forward-like receiver to potentially replace Mike Evans, who is ticketed for a free agency. I didn't realize that. That's interesting. You want to see what Mitchell is capable of? Turn on the tape of the college football playoff semifinal against Washington. Yeah, A.D. Mitchell, when yours looked much better in 23 than 22, but that was largely due to the talent around him. And there were times that A.D. Mitchell was bailing Quinn Ewers out, who wasn't exactly hitting uh, certain catch 
windows in stride. Eddie Mitchell is just that damn good, has that surefire of hands, and he's also a touchdown machine too, which obviously goes back to his time at Georgia. Yeah, yeah, the catch radius, like you talked about, spectacular. The hands are incredible. I think he had one drop last season, and that's amazing for a guy who had 50-plus catches and even more targets than that. So, uh, yeah, you put the ball close to Adonai Mitchell, and he's going to come down with it. Think of the TCU play, right? The dagger that gave Texas that win in Fort Worth on that third and long when everything was just falling apart for the Longhorns in that fourth quarter. Quinn Ewers kind of throws it up for grabs. Good throw by Quinn, but, you know, not a perfect throw. AD made a perfect adjustment while the ball was in the air to come down with the football. Like, that's the type of stuff you get with him. Sure-handed, not the most explosive, not the most athletic, but a guy who gets open and a guy who, when the ball is thrown his way, he's going to catch it 10 times out of 10. This stat probably exists because pretty much every stat exists in this era of advanced metrics. But I feel like wide receivers should not only be gauged on drops, but there needs to be like a plus-minus based on balls that are likely drops according to the sample size of wide receivers trying to catch a football and where that ball is thrown and the receiver making the catch. So that's a plus one versus a drop, which is a minus one. Mm. It would be heavily skewed in favor of the plus side of things for AD Mitchell based on what we saw last year. Yeah. You know, they've got like catch probability stats that like kind of look at things individually I don't know if there, I'm sure somebody out there, because there's a freaking statistic for everything. Somebody has compiled those numbers, but I like that idea. Like, I, I wish that was a mainstream thing. And I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, Adonai Mitchell would be amongst the leaders in college football in that category with the season he just had. If He might be number one on that list. Like That dude makes a lot of tough catches in traffic when the ball's not perfectly thrown. Uh, that's what you want. And if he goes to Tampa, Baker Mayfield coming off of a great year, could easily been comeback player of the year. Um, that's, you know, not the most accurate quarterback in the history of the NFL. He sometimes throws sums that are a little off target. I don't know, Mitchell, that'd be a great, uh, great fit for, for Bake Show in Tampa, for sure. And Field Yates has A.D. Mitchell going 32 to the Chiefs. I, I, you know, look, it's six of one, half dozen of another. I do feel like Xavier Worthy might be a better pick for the Chiefs at 32 than A.D. Mitchell if both guys are there. Just because of the speed? Yeah, we see what Pat Mahomes does with that level of explosiveness, and Xavier Worthy would immediately be better than anybody else on that Chiefs receiver receiving roster. Yeah, yeah, either one of those guys. I mean, you talk about a great fit for the player. I, I think for the Chiefs, it'd be a great fit too because they clearly need some more help on the outside, and if they could get an explosive difference maker like what they had with Tyree Kill, that would uh, only help their team even more, but... I mean, what a what an opportunity that would be for X or Adonai Mitchell. Like, all of these receivers, you know, the, the higher you get drafted, the cooler it is, the more bragging rights you have, and also the more money you make. So, like, normally you want to be drafted as high as possible for all of those things. But I think all of these, like, receivers who are going to have first to second round grades are kind of hoping that uh, they get swooped up at 32 by Kansas City because it's the best quarterback in the world, the guy who is – on track to maybe be the best quarterback in the history of the world. And of course, a team that's just won back-to-back -back Super Bowls. Like, you know you're going to win. You know you're going to be competitive. And you know you've got the best quarterback on the planet throwing you the rock. I think there are receivers who are like, yeah, you know, I look at uh, like Tampa Bay at 26. That'd be kind of cool. But I'd rather go six spots lower to Kansas City at 32. It's just, yeah. that, that, that's as good as it gets. I mean, yeah, you're, you're still getting that, uh, that, I guess that's a flex fifth year 
being a first round draft pick, but you're going into a system that has Pat Mahomes as the quarterback. So yeah, that's you that's- like if I'm a receiver, dude, I'd rather be a second round pick to the Chiefs than be like a first round pick going to the I don't know. I'm looking at the like Pittsburgh with no quarterback. Yeah. Or Arizona, who's picking 27. It's like, I'd, no, I'd, I'd rather like lose that fifth year, lose a little bit more money to have the chance to go play in Kansas City. And like, all right, if I ball out with Patrick Mahomes, they're going to pay me. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to put up great numbers and have a lot of fun. Like, I don't know how many guys would actually admit that, but that's uh, that, that is as ideal of a situation as you could have if you're a pass catcher entering the NFL. I would love to see JT Sanders go to Kansas City too, as a sort of heir apparent to Travis Kelsey. Yeah, that'd be fun as see well. What Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes can do with a second electric tight end like that. Yeah, like I, I'd love to see you know all of the Texas pass catchers. What there's three, I guess four. You throw Jordan Whittington in there too, but three that are expected to go in the first two rounds with Sanders, with Worthy, and with Mitchell. I mean, if you could get those guys in like Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Buffalo or Baltimore, like just some spot with a super established, great quarterback. That's like, that's, that's what you want. That's what those guys I think would want, even though got some cold weather cities and there'd be some adjusting going from Austin to any of those places. But to, to be with Mahomes and Burrow and Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen or any of those cats, that's, that's fun. That is fun. All right. What about the top? Give me uh give me the top five of the, DJ mock draft, if you would. DJ has Caleb Williams going to the Bears. The the commies taking Drake May. The Patriots going Marvin Harrison Jr. What? That one, yeah. The Cardinals going Malik Neighbors. The Chargers going Joe Alt. And Jaden Daniels falling all the way to the Giants at six. All right, Daniel Jeremiah, what the fuck are you smoking? He must think that the Patriots are going to get a veteran quarterback, right? That's what he said. In this scenario, the Patriots go the veteran route to fill the need at quarterback, which frees them up to trade the number three overall pick or take the uber-talented Harrison. Yeah. I think, yeah, if you're in the top three and you don't plan on taking one of those top three quarterbacks, you've got to trade and just, you know, stockpile a few more picks. Like, I, I get it. Marvin Harrison Jr. would be great, but... Hell, if you're New England, you could trade down a spot or two and still end up with Marvin Harrison Jr. So, yep. uh, yeah, it's it's foolish. Like, I've seen mock drafts with the Bears taking Marvin Harrison Jr. at number one. It's like, oh, if they stick with Justin Fields, then they'll just take the best receiver. And could you imagine pairing that? That's stupid. Receivers are so important, more important now than they've ever been before. And, of course, Marvin Harrison will be a great weapon in Chicago. But, I mean, look at the trade they made last year with Carolina. Like, it netted them a shit ton of draft capital. It actually netted them the number one pick in the following year's draft. Like, you could do that again. You could stockpile a bunch of draft picks because you have more than just one hole at wide receiver on your roster. If you're not taking a quarterback, especially at one, but I would argue Washington at two and New England at three, with all of the issues those teams have from a personnel standpoint, if you're not trading down, that is GM malpractice. Yeah, I would swindle either the commies or the Patriots into that number one. I mean, you're gonna get you're gonna get this year's number one, next year's number one. You may be able to be able to get a third number one out of them too, as well as some second and third rounders. I mean, that can be a Herschel Walker level deal minus an actual player. I mean, it's just a it's just a draft pick. And look, it seems like Caleb Williams is gonna be a really good player. So there there is a risk there of sticking with Justin Fields. 
But if you feel confident that Fields can be the guy now that he actually has some talent around him, you can add Marvin Harrison to that, and you feel like you can fix the offensive line issues, then it's something worth considering. I just pulled up the uh, trade that involved the number one pick from last year's draft. So the Bears acquired Carolina's uh, first round. Okay, so they got DJ Moore, the Bears' first and second round pick last year, and then the Bears, or excuse me, the Panthers' first and second round pick last year, the Bears' first, or the Panthers' first round pick this year, and the Panthers' second round pick next year. I don't know if that was easy to follow because I misspoke about four times in the last five seconds, but they got a shit ton. They got like two firsts and two seconds and DJ Moore, who is a number one receiver in this league. That was for Bryce Young. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. as good as Bryce Young was in college, I thought he was going to be great in the league. Maybe he still is. You don't close the book on a guy after one year, but he obviously had that major size issue that Caleb Williams doesn't have. Like Caleb Williams is, is here. Bryce Young is here as a draft prospect so you get a guy who's like expected to be you know almost trevor lawrence level when it comes to just how highly he's graded coming out of college where it's like not a lot of flaws in his game chicago could get more than what they got last year for the number one overall pick hell they would get more than they got last year for the number one overall pick so i get it if i'm them i'm taking caleb williams or i'm taking drake man i'm taking a quarterback because i'm not a believer in justin fields but if they do believe in justin fields then yeah they've got to They've got to do what they did last season and move off the number one pick. Yeah, I don't know how to quantify the difference in value between Caleb Williams and Bryce Young heading into their respective drafts, but let's just say that it's significant. And that was a yep. nice haul that the Bears got just for the Panthers getting the opportunity to draft Bryce Young. So take all of that and maybe double it. That might be what getting to draft number one and selecting Caleb Williams is worth. You might be right. You might be right. So, yeah, it's it's going to be a fun couple of months, man. It really is. I mean, we could have QBs go one, two, three. Uh, I've seen some mock drafts that have like six quarterbacks going in round one. J.J. McCarthy. It's a big surprise to people that J.J. McCarthy is in the first round. I, I've seen mocks with him going in the top 10 in the last week or two. Wow. You know, Bo Nix is there. Michael Penix is there. Um might be forgetting somebody, but yeah, it's, I mean, quarterbacks are, I feel like almost guaranteed to go one through three, but you're going to have a lot of QBs go in round one. If you're a team that doesn't need a quarterback, that's good news for you. That second tier of quarterbacks is such a fascinating group. At least one of those guys is going to become a good NFL player. It feels like if not a couple of them, like I'm probably less bought in on JJ McCarthy. I'm just too scarred by watching him this last season. Although look, he made plays when he had to, in the playoffs. So on the biggest stage, he was able to get that job done. But for a lot of these guys, it's going to come down to fit and specific to Michael Penix, it's going to come down to health too. I think like all things considered equal. And if Michael Penix can stay healthy, I think he is the most surefire guy to find success at the NFL level. Uh, and that is based on my UTSD of watching him in person, just carve up that shitty Texas secondary. Not always shitty though. We got some good reps from Ryan Watts, who was in coverage great down sidelines, and it was just perfectly placed balls. Watching him maneuver like that, I haven't been that impressed by a guy who I thought would be good as, as an NFL player since watching Jared Goff do that to a Texas football team, gosh, not quite a decade ago at DKR in that game that Texas should have won but lost because of a Nick Rose missed extra point. Should have done a backflip before that PAT. Should have tried to kick while doing a backflip. Yeah, that would have helped Nick Rose. Idiot. Stupid hair. 
Yeah, I haven't forgotten that one. <laughs> I love bringing his name up just because of how much it triggers you. That was uh, the first time I'd ever cussed on the Horn Airwaves. I was doing right. like the Sunday morning show after that game, and I, I don't know, I dropped an F-bomb. I was so pissed the night after. Did, did it get dumped or did it make it on the air? No, I think it got dumped, but people on the app, you know, you could still hear it on the app. So there were a few people who texted in. I was terrified. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm about to lose my job, and there goes my career, and yeah, everything that I had ever dreamed of is now toast. And then I was like, yeah, there's no big deal. Turned out to be hilarious, but still hate Nick Rose. I'll still remember that moment until the end of time. Not to completely uh, throw this conversation off track here, but the first cuss word that I let go out over the actual airwaves that could have gotten me fired was a uh, was playing a recorded interview with Matthew McConaughey based on his Green Lights book. And he talked about how he's a bullshitter. And I completely forgot that he yeah. said bullshit like three or four times. And so I got a call after that interview ran like, hey, did you uh, realize that Matthew McConaughey said bullshit a bunch in that interview? I'm like, I remember that now. And I also realized that I did not put the proper cuss tones in there to cover it up either. That was after you moved back to Austin? Yeah, oh, this was this was at the horn. I mean, this was when... Let me think about this. This was the interview was during COVID. I actually had COVID when I talked to McConaughey. So this is when Chad and I were doing the show. And I think he was off. And so I was just running the McConaughey interview. And it may have been a replay of that interview too. And yeah, I got a stern talking to from one of the bosses at the horn. Like, please don't let that happen again. I'm like, I won't. The good news is it was Matthew McConaughey saying bullshit over and over again on our airwaves. So if anybody is going to give us some grace based on that, based on the minister of culture and the unofficial mayor of this town and of this university. It's uh, Matthew McConaughey saying it versus me. Yeah. It's an awesome story. I'm just amazed that it took you that long with all the radio stops that you had. I get a lot of them were producing gigs, but still even with when the times where you did uh, pop on the mic and have the chance to talk on air, I'm surprised that you didn't let one slip before then. Oh dude, I'm a sailor, but for whatever reason, I've always had the ability to, to turn that, cuss switch off when I need to for the uh, traditional terrestrial airwaves. I'm glad that I don't have to worry about that nearly as much now with TSU, even though I technically do still have a, a, a very part-time radio gig. And yeah, it hasn't happened just yet. I'm knocking on wood right now. Knocking on wood right now. That okay. it doesn't happen, but I do get to cuss on this channel, which I'm very happy about. Yeah, you do. All radio people are like that, by the way. It's the most impressive skill that any of us have. That we, as soon as the lights come on, we just stop cussing. But every during every commercial break, every radio person that I've ever worked in has cussed multiple times. It is one of the most ironic things about our industry is that it is full of on-air personalities who are belligerent cussers who are also terrible fucking communicators in life. Yep. Yep. It's well said right there. Uh, how often did Casey Stuttered cuss? I mean, I couldn't count, dude. Jesus Impossible. Christ, dude. How often did he not cuss might be the better question. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like uh, there were more cuss words than non-cuss words on the big ugly show, but fun show to work for a couple of years. Got to get Casey on here at some point soon. Been a while since I've talked to that fool. Hell yeah. Make sure he's doing okay. Him and Lyle too, by the way. And Lyle oh, Sunline. Yeah. Yep. A couple of national champs, a couple of uh, Longhorn legends for sure. All right. 
Uh, there's Daniel Jeremiah's latest mock draft. Two Longhorns going in round one. We gave you the top six picks with uh, three quarterbacks going in the top six. Any other parting thoughts on that one, Trey? Uh, just looking real quick at what the Cowboys and Texans do with their respective picks. This has the Texans, who I believe are selecting for the Cleveland Browns based on that Watson trade. The Texans, according to Jeremiah, are taking Brian Thomas, the LSU wide receiver, and the Cowboys, and that's at pick 23, excuse me, and the Cowboys at pick 24 are going Tyler, excuse me, Tyler Guyton, the uh, offensive tackle from OU. God. Shore up that offensive line. When's the last time the Texans have been able to make a luxury pick like that? I mean, they've got bigger needs than wide receiver, but you get Brian Thomas in there with Nico and Tank Dell coming off of injury. Like, holy shit, dude. How much fun would that offense be with C.J. Stroud in year two? It'd be fun. I do wonder if that's the route that they go, though. I doubt I doubt it is. Yeah. I don't think it should be. I, I, I wouldn't hate if they took a receiver on day two. I mean, they got Tank Dell in the third round last year, and he's looks like a beast so if you get a guy anything close to that in the second or third round then that would make sense but i think uh i think d line is probably where the texans need to go more than anything especially if they let john grenard walk in free agency they're gonna have to address the edge they've got a couple of d tackles who are free agents too i i assume that's where the texans are going to go if they draft in a similar manner to the way that they have drafted where they just kind of go need well if you're going to take a bigger receiver also because Thomas is 6'4", 205. Aren't you going 80 Mitchell over Thomas? Like, Thomas had nice game tape from this last year, but I feel like 80 Mitchell is the better prospect as a professional. I'll be honest. Like, I'm about to start honing in on draft stuff more. I, I do not know enough about Brian Thomas's game. I really don't. So, I, I couldn't tell you that. Like, my Texas bias makes me say, yes, you're right. A.D. Mitchell should be the pick over Brian Thomas. Uh, but teams clearly love him. And, yeah, he's seems to be a lock to be a first-round pick. And I've seen him in the first more than I've seen A.D. Mitchell in the first. So, uh, I don't know. But, yeah, defense probably the play. Maybe corner, as Longhorn Bear says. Kool-Aid McKinstry would be an interesting pick. There's yeah. that white corner. Dude, my favorite player in this draft, I'm going to be racist here. I'm sorry. Oh, boy. Uh, is Cooper DeGene from Iowa. There has not been a starting white cornerback in the league since, like, Rod B., took Jason Seahorn's job. Rod always talks about this. It's like, this is 20 years ago, dude. There has not been a white corner in the league who has actually started and been half decent in two decades. And this Cooper guy, like, he's a stud. He was an All-American last year at Iowa. Like, he's athletic. Like, what Christian McCaffrey is to running backs is what Cooper DeGene is to cornerbacks. He is the great white hope for our people at DB. We need that guy to be good. Yeah, it would be a huge shock if he's actually able to make it as an NFL player just because the futility is so great right now. It's like a non-Australian punter being good in the NFL at this yeah. point. Yeah, I'm so excited to see this kid at the Combine because he's going to he's gonna blow people away. I mean, he's a phenomenal athlete. Not, not like phenomenal athlete for a white guy. No, he's a phenomenal athlete. So, uh, yeah, I see him going 25 to the Packers in, in this mock draft. Like, he has a very good chance to be a first-round pick. And if the Texans go corner and maybe Kool-Aid McKinstry's off the board and Quinion Mitchell, the kid out of Toledo, is another pretty highly touted guy. Like, if, if those guys are gone, then, oh, my God, that'd be, that'd be the greatest. But I also feel like I have to think he's going to be terrible just based on recent history, right? 
Everyone's going to say that that history of there not being any white cornerbacks in the NFL. Yes, I agree with that. You're going to see like all these articles the day after the first round of the draft. Like, who do you think has the most bust potential in this draft? And Cooper DeGene's going to be on there like every single person's on every single person's list. Safe bet bet against the white corner. Yes, Jason slash offspring. He is. Oh, wait, where did that go? I'm sorry, CB. I missed the uh, missed the name here. Yes, CB slash offspring. He is pretty fly for a white guy. Mm. Or the weird Al version, pretty fly for a rabbi. Hear that one? Nope, but that doesn't surprise me. Weird Al is greatness. Yep, yep. It should surprise you. And yes, he is. Uh, Cowboys going O line. Yeah, that's 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 what they do, and it works. The Cowboys have had so much success. People get pissed. I've gotten pissed. I'm not going to like completely disassociate myself from other Cowboys fans, but there have been years where it's like, really, an offensive lineman? Do we need this? Is this what we should be doing here? Can we draft something a little bit sexier than this? But you go back to Travis Frederick and then Zach Martin and Tyron Smith and Tyler Smith. Uh, just uh, The Cowboys are four for four when drafting first-round O-linemen in the last like decade and a half. So if they let Tyron Smith walk in free agency – and they'll probably go offensive lineman, and you should be giving them the benefit of the doubt that the guy that they pick is going to be a good player. I didn't realize that Mike Evans was a free agent. Speaking to something we talked about a little bit earlier with the Bucks possibly taking A.D. Mitchell, I wonder where he ends up if he does ultimately leave the Bucks. Yeah, Kansas City has been ballyhooed about, you know, I mean, God bless all these like draft receivers, you think they're going to be good. We know Mike Evans is good. He is, but he would also fit in with regards to the regular season drops too. Yeah, he does. He does have some drop issues, but I don't know. He's also more talented by far than anybody they have on the roster as a wide receiver. Yeah. Like I think a lot of people are going to pick the chiefs to win the super bowl and they are picking them right now. If you add Mike Evans to that mix, then that's only going to help their chances of, uh, of three peating next season so yeah i mean shit they could go mike evans and also draft the receiver in the yeah. first round and it's like whoa so it's uh it's scary knowing what the chiefs have put together and knowing what uh, they still could do this offseason my goodness thank god i'm a diehard chief supporter don't forget that diehard okay and that's uh that born in kansas card came out at the most opportune time several years ago yes indeed it did Hey, again, you also made the drive up to KC to watch that frigid AFC championship game that they ultimately lost to. I've done it three times. I've I've driven up to three of those games. I had to watch KU football for so long. Give me the Chiefs, all right? Let me have this. Let me have this one, please. The Cowboys are always going to let me down. All right, before we uh, wrap things up with the 16 rules of dining, is 15 minutes enough time to get to this, you think? Uh, Yeah, it should be. Okay, quick uh, quick shout out to Altstad beer. That's the number one rule of dining. Whenever you're trying to drink beer while eating, you should be drinking Altstad beer. It's the best beer that you can find anywhere in the universe. We're just lucky enough to have it right here in our own backyard. And if you're tuned in in DFW and Houston, San Antonio, you can get it as well. But of course, right here in Austin at your favorite bars and restaurants, you can find Altstad. They've got it wherever you buy your six packs of beer, HEB, Specs, Total Wine, Got it at 34, Wine and Spirits as well, Twin Liquors. All those spots, you can find the greatness of Old Stad Beer. Should be a beautiful weekend in Central Texas. If you're looking for something to do, how about a trip to the Old Stad Brewery 
in Fredericksburg. You're guaranteed to have a great time down there. Live music, outdoor beer garden, German-style restaurant serving up all sorts of European food. They've got a Michelin star chef. The old tire guy from the commercials is cooking up food in there. Uh, it's it's just a great experience for the beer drinkers in your life. Highly, highly recommend a trek down to the Aldstadt Brewery in Fredericksburg. But more importantly, make sure you get that Aldstadt beer. Also, shout out to Woods Comfort Systems. Almost 70 years of providing the best HVAC and plumbing services here in Central Texas. The AC is kicking back on. Look, it's about to get hot. You know that. You live here. Make sure your AC is ready to go for the spring and the summer that's going to be on us ridiculously quick by calling Woods Comfort Systems. They are the best at what they do. They hook Bucky up. His house is rocking and rolling with that cool AC all year long. They can hook you up the way they've hooked up thousands of Central Texans over the last 68, going on 69 years, the best at what they do. Check them out online at Woods comfortsystems.com and some quick love to sentextickets.com if you are looking for tickets to any live event coming our way go to sentextickets.com sports concerts broadway shows any entertainment if it's live they've got you right now at sentextickets.com all right trey um i will give you the floor for uh some dining what is this do's and don'ts or rules of dining what what do we have working here this is from the guardian in England, 16 rules of modern dining from dress codes to dogs. So we're going to go over, see how many of these 16 we can get through in the next 10 minutes or so. And not looking at the StreamYard screen. So if uh, Rodney and or Wags wants to pop on at any point to give their opinion on things, they're welcome to do so. Even though we're 10 minutes away from chaos theory. We're going to start with... Much-hyped restaurants that are walk-ins only with no bookings requiring you to wait in a line. That is apparently a big trend in 2024 and perhaps beyond. BK, I am on the record as having an abhorrence to waiting in line for anything, whether you're talking about a slide at a water park or food or picking my kids up from school. I refuse to wait in lines. And so, yes, I understand that there are plenty of places in Austin that don't do reservations a lot of barbecue places for that matter that uh, do require you to wait in a line. If you're asking me to wait in an hour line for food, the answer is a hard no. Yeah, I was at uh, Matt's El Rancho last week, and that's that's the staple there. Like, you've got to put your name down on a list if you're going on a weekend and you just got to wait. You could go somewhere and maybe, nah, they won't text you. I think you like somebody in your party has to be there. Uh, to get seated. So they've got a bar there, which is good. You don't have to like wait in a line. They've got a bar and places you can sit to kill the time, but it's painful, man. Like I, I hate the places that don't take reservations. I'm with you on that. That's, that's a pain in the ass. How about this becoming much more popular amongst restaurants that do take reservations, booking deposits and charges for no shows. So you book a reservation you are given a certain window to cancel that reservation. If you cancel, I think it's usually within four to six hours of the reservation actually occurring. You will get charged a fee for a last minute cancellation. I am completely on board with this. One, all these rules, a restaurant is welcome to do what they want as long as there's not 
uh, very blunt discrimination going on against uh, certain groups of people. So if you want to say, hey, look, there's a booking deposit here. And if you choose to cancel within four hours, we are going to have to charge you a $50 fee. That's what you're signing up for when you get the reservation. So uh, even though it would annoy me if I had something pop up last minute, I would also get that that is the policy for the restaurant. 50 bucks. God bless. I mean, I guess if it's a nice restaurant and you know show and they can't book the table, then it's probably costing them more than $50. Um, yeah, I've, I've been lucky. I've never had that happen to me. Uh, I've never had to cancel a reservation that late or the places that I have had to cancel haven't had that fee, but I get why it's there. It's a pain in the ass. It would suck, but I, I understand where restaurants are coming from with uh, with that deal. And if it's clearly laid out when you make the reservation, like that's that's on you, isn't it? I think it is. Now, have you ever gone someplace where you're celebrating a birthday with dinner and somebody who is a part of the dinner party brings a birthday cake into the restaurant as well to serve up dessert after sure. dinner over with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some places have started to charge a cakeage fee. That is bringing the proper plates and the cutting utensils and actually taking care of divvying the cake up for dinner party guests, a cakeage fee that certain restaurants are requiring. And I actually don't have an issue with this because you are breaking a cardinal rule of going to a restaurant by bringing outside food in. That restaurant probably does serve dessert. So rather than pay for their dessert, you are paying for your own dessert and they're being kind enough to allow that while also charging a small fee in the process. Cakeage fee is what it's called? Cakeage, yes. So what if you bring your own plates and knife and you just do the whole process at the table by yourself? Like it's still the outside food, but they're, the restaurant itself is not having to put in any extra work for you doing that. It's a good question. You're still going to get charged the cakeage fee if the restaurant says cakeage oh. fee does apply. That's a bad bit. Uh, don't, be, don't be charging me for my cake. I don't need that. I'll be looking at that anyways. Or an orange horn. Matt's El Rancho is for Dallas Green. Oh, dude. Matt, like, That's a the, drinks, the drinks at Matt's are great. But like, if anybody is ranking Matt's El Rancho amongst their favorite like Tex-Mex or Mexican food places in Austin, you should not trust their palate at all. Yeah, I would suggest you go to Mama Betty's up here near me around Avery Ranch. All right. Next up. After the cakeage fee is restaurants that are apparently starting to ban cell phones in the dining room. Now, I think that this is self-sabotage. If you choose to do this, yeah. you are welcome to do it because it is your business after all. But in this era where you're trying to find every little advantage to give people the opportunity to take pictures of the food being served to maybe cause others to salivate, to want to try said food. Uh, again, it is self-sabotage, but hey, if you're going to try for that, good luck with it. We actually do have a no cell phones at the dinner table policy here in my household that my wife and I do occasionally break, but we do like to have meals without cell phones uh, in front of people's faces at all times. But for a restaurant, I think it's a stupid idea. Yeah, I could see this being a good bit for like a, you know, one-off. If someone's trying to get famous on social media, they're trying to like have their restaurant stand out compared to all the other restaurants in town. If they have this bit, like you're at a stand-up comedy show where you have to check your phone into like a bag or a locker right when you get there, then that place could go viral. And some people would be like, oh, this is cool. Like I hate how much I use my phone during meals. Now that it 
I won't have it near me. I know that I won't have the ability to just reach it uh, during the dining experience. So I could see that being like a cool little novelty thing. But if a lot of restaurants start doing it, you're right. It's self-sabotage. And it's also people love being on their phones. Yeah. They love being on their phones. So like most people are going to look at that and be like, yeah, no, like I, I need my phone at dinner. Just in case. They'll say, just in case something happens. It's like, ah, bullshit. You're just checking a random text or an Instagram because you're tired of your wife that's sitting across the table. I know how it works. You and I may be on different sides of this one. Restaurants are beginning to ban children under the age of 12. Certain restaurants say no kids under the age of 12 are allowed to dine in this establishment. Again, I guess if that's your bit, you're welcome to do so. For every shithead kid that can't stay in their seat and feels the need to run around a restaurant, there are kids like mine who have learned proper etiquette when it comes to dining at some of the better places in town. So it's disappointing that I won't get, be able to take my kids to these places, but it's your business. You do what you feel is necessary. Yeah, I'm in favor of this. Uh, I'd really prefer this rule to be instilled on airplanes. I would pay significantly more for a flight if uh, you told me there were no 12 or under kids on it. It makes uh, a lot of sense, or at least a, a no uh, under 12 section of the airplane where you pay a few bucks more. Yeah, I don't run into too many problem children at restaurants, but I would prefer to not have to deal with them. But like, it's, I don't know. I don't feel too strongly about it, but I see why you as a parent of two kids under 12 would not love this rule very much. How about this? Speaking of kids, should adults be allowed to eat from the children's menu at a restaurant? Should you be allowed? Sure. If you yeah. do that. Harsh statement here. I know you're a fucking loser. Have a little bit more respect for your palate and your guts than to order off the kids' menu, please. What if you're not hungry? What if you just want a little snack, you know? Okay, find something on the small plates portion of that menu. Don't order the fucking quesadilla or chicken fingers or cheese pizza or whatever other garbage is on the kids' menu. Most places, it is lowest common denominator food. It's not fit for most animals much less your kids but a lot of people allow their kids to order off those menus have a little bit more self-respect in ordering off the kids menu That's well it, i mean what what you do trey is you you order like if you're going tex-mex you can order off the kids menu and you eat about five baskets of chips yeah you know so it's like you know it kind of defeats the purpose right i mean i i know when 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 we were when my kids were small one time we were at a tex-mex place and they like cut us off on chips it's like no more the fuck out of here <laughs> are you not gonna eat an actual meal were you not planning on no, ordering no. entrees we we were but we were having margaritas so we were kind of sitting there waiting i mean it takes the wife a little while to figure out what the hell she wants i think you remember that from louisiana it's like okay come on fucking order something and yeah they were like um get out go somewhere else god <laughs> that's a bad bit right there i i got no oh, problem God. with ordering off the kids menu sometimes i want to nice quesadilla or some chicken tenders i'm never gonna not love chicken tenders dude i'll be 80 years old wanting chicken tenders you're telling me i can't have those junior burger <laughs> yeah junior burger come on look it's well established that you know have you have no self-respect when it comes to the food that you consume no no self-respect for your palate or your guts either so that is not a surprising take by you that's, that's just wrong <laughs> i'm not alone you're the minority there every adult likes a good kid's meal every once in a while 
Oh, gosh, Michael, you're right about that. Adults are worse on planes now. If I see another adult that is completely barefoot on an airplane because they decided to take their shoes and socks off oh. and buckled in, I'm, I'm going to freaking lose it. Yeah. Right, just a couple more things here. The uh, the 16 rules of modern dining. We're not going to get to all 16. but oh, go, go ahead. Roll with it, dude. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> jump out here. And uh, Wags, if you're ready to go, please hop on as well because I always value your opinion on these things too. How about this? You want to talk about stupidity? Like you're free to do what you want as a business, but uh, this is self-sabotage here. A restaurant that has no website, no menu, or prices online. They don't even have any social media page. They just expect you to figure it out, to understand that this place is that good, that you should come here, despite the fact that you can't check it out beforehand. I mean, that is a non-starter for me. If I can't look at what a restaurant is serving, before I go there, that's it. I'm done. So good luck with that business model, dumbasses. Yeah, I'm not trying to figure out a code. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want to figure out like a, a damn um, infiltration code or or try to figure out like a special menu. I have a hard enough time with Torchies trying to find a secret menu there, man. I don't need some. I need I need directions to get me to the fucking place first and foremost. Now I need somebody to show me how to eat it. You know what I mean? Second, third, maybe I'll need somebody to feed it to me too. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm out. I'm out on that bit too, man. Sometimes I can't even. Sucks. Sometimes I can't even use my hands right. What sucks about that is since the COVIDs, you go to you go to a lot of places and the men, the menu has shrunk because like when things started opening up again. I mean, uh, Chewy's for example. Uh, man, their menu was like four or five pages, and now it's like two. Yeah, so, don't so. tell me you don't have a full fucking kitchen. Bullshit. It's been three years now, damn it. <laughs> Wags coming in hot today. Wags may be onto something. Like a future dining trend is that you go to a restaurant, you pay a slightly uh, extra charge, and they and actually then you feed, feed me. You. They actually cut the food up and, and feed you with, with silverware. My Maybe Uncle Jim still has his mom. Well, not anymore. Grandmom's dead. But my Uncle Jim did have Nanny cut his steak up until he was like probably 50-something. Damn. I need that yeah. bit right there. Yeah. Especially wow. after a few Allstats. It's like, cut my shit for me. I can't yeah. see it. <laughs> I like, I won't go to a place if I can't find the prices of the menu items. That's yeah. a big deal for me. I mean, all that stuff is like, if I can't see what the place offers, then I'm not going. But even if it shows me like what is on there but there's no prices next to it i'm like one it's probably really expensive uh and number two it's like come on like that, that that's that's a bad bit you know you, you've pissed me off maybe i would have paid for it but now that it's not even there i'm not i'm not taking a chance on your joint you Sorry. go you go to the damn uh you know seafood restaurants or whatever and they hit you with that market price on the damn menu what the hell is market price i don't give a shit if it says market price give me the damn number you know what I mean? I, I want to see $37 for a bushel of crabs. I don't want to see market price. It's yeah. that food from Maine. Er. Yeah. Maine. Fish <laughs> McDonald's. Filet of fish. Yeah. Right, maggots. Last, last one now, guys, before we make way for the chaos theory. By the way, I'm not better. Well, I'm better than some of you. I'm not better than everybody, CB, but I have opinions on these things. And if you he's, order He's better than a lot of people, though. You're a fucking loser at that point in time. You may not be a loser in life. You're a loser with how you're ordering at that point in time, period. Different, different CB, by the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, hey, now. Chris Barrett. Chris Barrett. Barrett. Oh, I, I apologies, CB. I, Chris Barrett. Yes, I am better than you if you order off of a kid's menu. Chris Barrett. I apologize, CB. Uh, so last rule here, according to the 16 rules of modern dining, 
Talk about triggering. There are apparently a lot of restaurants now that are saying it's okay to bring your dog inside the indoor restaurant. As long as the pooch isn't in the way, it can lay at your feet. What the fuck are we doing here? This is not just about common courtesy. You can't bring your fucking dog everywhere. Coffee shops, restaurants, grocery stores. It is a health code violation, most places, to allow your dog inside at a restaurant. No, 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 not allowed. I'm with you. I love the hell out of my dog, but nah, she can stay the fuck home. Well, plus, my dogs don't know how to behave. I take them to the beach, and they act like total assholes. So, so yeah, in a public place, no, do not do that. that. That's not the place. And then what if they take a shit? I mean, we took one of our dogs. I, I forget where we took him. He goes, and he pisses all over the floor. And I'm like, was it, was it ARN that you took this dog? Because that happened quite a no. bit. <laughs> no, that wasn't me. That's that Sunday morning bit. That uh, that was old beef stick or whatever that dude's name was. <laughs> beef stick. Oh my god! I don't think that was his name, but it's his name going forward. What, no, okay. What, whatever. Wasn't it fucking Red or something? What was the dog's name? I don't know. Oh, Red was one of the dogs. What, yeah, Red was a dog. What we had seven, seven damn dogs. All, every Wednesday, a damn dog walked through there. Oh, it was like we were in fucking Romania in the mid nineteen nineties with how Jeez. many dogs were roaming around that place. Yeah, yeah. I'd go for like remote tech gigs, and I'd go walking in. I'm like, did I come to the animal shelter or what? What the hell's going on around here? It's like dogs everywhere. I mean, I love dogs, but it's oh, like, let, me, let me can I take a twenty here? Yeah. Yep. Didn't you shit in the NRN studio one time? Look, hold on a second. I shit in the trash can, all right? <laughs> look, and, and by the way, look, it, it, that was because of the Marines, all right? I'm going to put there. Look, the Marines set two things in place. One's now he's insulting the country. Hold on. <laughs> one's, mission, one's mission accomplishment. The second one's troop welfare, and it goes in that order. Look, and I was, I was new to the game, okay? I, matter of fact, I might have been even late that day relieving Trey doing round rock baseball. So I had to stay even later. Mike Caps was on the line. He had already yelled at me once that day already. I'm not telling Mike Caps that I got to take a shit. I'm just shitting in the trash can. And you know what? We threw the trash can out and it was aired out by the time you got there. Wasn't it? Uh, Wait, you took a shit in the trash can there at the I, Well, it's no longer there. It's fucking gone. But yeah, well, yeah the whole ARN is gone. <laughs> but well, wow. yeah, I mean, look, so look, you know how you got to be, you know, you're the you're the uh, broadcast engineer, the radio engineer back there. You're basically the producer of the damn game. Right. And they only get a minute in between yeah. innings. You know what I mean? For the commercials. It's like 60 seconds or 90 seconds. I can't remember. And man, when I got to go, I had to go, dude. So, you know, that long trash can that we used to throw like all the all the junk food and all the coffee cups in. It was it was tall. It right was tall, it was tall enough yeah, for me yeah. to actually sit there and straddle it, dude. Nobody was there. I took the pants off and I just straddled the damn thing and went while Mike Caps was calling the damn game. <laughs> I've never tried to. I've never tried to drop a deuce on my tiptoes before. I feel like it would have had to been on my tiptoes. Oh no, I wasn't. I wasn't tiptoe, and I was. I, I sat my ass in the middle, like I was. My cheeks were split, bro. I was I'd sitting a, down. I'd you know how we had that, that big I'd chair? That I was sitting down on the that. trash can. The The trash can was bowing out, bro. It was, was going to say. It's like, I mean, that, that wasn't industrial strength, that thing. I mean, that was kind of one of those Sam's Club trash cans that you had running up around there. No, it was definitely, it was, it was a Wayfair product for sure. Yeah. <laughs> 
Wags, Wags, Wags thank you for that. I, I no longer support the troops. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, all right, boys. We're leaving. Trey, I'll see y'all in a bit. You guys have a great show. Love you guys. Good Later, job. boys. Later, boys.